John Carson. John, welcome to John Riley Project. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your patience with getting me here. No, First of all, I know you, it's been a while. You've been great. So, John, you're a candidate for Poway City Council District 1, and um, we've been seeing you out there campaigning. You know, just how is the overall campaign going so far for you? It's actually going very well. Um, uh, having some really good feedback from people. Uh, the peop- My friends are all excited for, for me personally. Um, the people I'm getting out to talk to when I'm going from house to house are, are getting really good feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, still the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life, <laughs> um, by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even more weird than going to foreign countries to, you know. Well, how is it weird? I mean, you're just meeting people, right, and talking about issues? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that when I'm, when I'm meeting people and I'm talking about issues and the other things that the further I get into the process, the further I, I get into the knowledge base of the city and the things I find out and the things I see in the budget, mm-hmm. the things I see with the way people conduct themselves. It's just overall just very weird. <laughs> just very <laughs> okay. weird. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, you know, some of the, I guess, the weird things that you're discovering along the way are perhaps maybe those are the reasons that you chose to run. Partly, I, I guess now it's it, it's driving it a little bit further down the road. Those those are some of the reasons that are getting me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the original choice to to do what I'm doing to run as a candidate um, w- was just to be a part of Poway going forward uh, for my son, for my family, and for my friends that are also raising kids in Poway. Right, um, everybody up to this point, I think, has done an, a, an amazing job to get Poway to where we're at today. Um, would I have done things differently here and there? Of course, everybody would have, sure, yeah. right? But really just moving forward in Poway and wanting to become a part of the city's future and then eventually the city's history would be really why I wanted to do this in the first place. Nice. Well, I was reading on your website that you talked a lot about your family and about your son. I think he's nine years old, right? Mm-hmm. And that it was important to you to ensure that he was raised in a city that you felt proud of a city that you that embraced all the you know the great family uh family centric culture mm-hmm. and, and and all of that so i think yeah being on city council you can affect that change and make it a yeah. positive place for not only your family but everyone else's yeah i think a really big part of of being that and being a, a an example for my son is not just not just talking about things but being a part of the, the solutions themselves um i, I kind of take that as a really big thing you know being a former marine you can't go to your seniors in the Marine Corps with a problem alone. You mm-hmm. have to have a solution when you bring a problem to them. Right. Or they'll just ignore any problem that you have or, right. or just you know kind of brush it off. I, I don't want to be a problem-centric person. I want to be a solution-centric person. Mm. So um, even in the way I teach my son, Jack, you know, he'll have, you know, Dad, my Xbox controller's dead. Well, Jack, you know how to fix that. <laughs> Put it on the charger. Right. Get your other one. You'll be fine. Right. But this one's dead. It, Jack, it doesn't really matter. You have another one. Mm-hmm. You know? So the the solution, solution skills for young people are, are what I find severely lacking. I think solution skills for, you know, the majority of the population are, are, are lacking. But 
you know, it gets back to, again, I just want to be a part of the solution of not, not necessarily making things better in Poway, but just the solution going forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so just to ensure that the city is managed properly, that if problems do arise, that you're there to solve those problems so that we can continue forward smoothly and efficiently yeah. and, and making you know, quality of life good overall. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that exactly. makes sense. I really do feel that way. Good. And so um, a couple nights ago, we had the, the candidate forum yeah. right down at Painted Rock Elementary, mm-hmm. uh, Green Valley Association or Civic Association Poway Chamber. Mm-hmm. And um, how'd that event go for you? I think it went really well. Just hearing from the, the PUSD candidates first, I think, was uh, was nice. I think Kim, Ginger, and Kevin, Kevin mm-hmm. I think they all did a fantastic job. They did. Um, mm-hmm. Just hearing um, what they had to say as far as someone that has a, a student in the Powell Unified School District and specifically at Midland Elementary. You know, I, I, I was very interested in what they had to say as a, sure. you know, even as a civilian, you know, just person that lives here. Yeah. I thought they were all fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that decision is very hard to make. I agree. They're, yeah. All three of them are very strong are. candidates. There's no weakling in that group. Yeah. And uh, I, I still haven't made up my mind on that race either. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I have either. I have to talk to some, you know, uh, my teacher friends that, uh, you know, have had my stu- my son in, in school and whatnot and, and see how they feel about that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it was very interesting to see uh, the at-large candidates and the mayor together. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how I feel about you know, the questions that are asked. I thought they were kind of all. Um, I think they broad stroked the questions a little bit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned even after the de- the Democrat forum that you know we as candidates didn't really bring up any big ideas, mm-hmm. and and I think that lends to the questions a little bit. I don't think those were big idea questions. Mm. I, I honestly feel that way, um, and I don't think this forum had big idea questions. I think they were kind of. Broad stroke questions a little bit, yeah. you know, uh, 30,000 foot questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were very hard uh, to specify individual points and, and, and especially one minute time frame in response. I thought that was, oh, yeah. I think that's a little lacking. But um, again, you know, I, I thought this forum for me was better than the first one. Um, I like sitting like like you and I are, mm-hmm. you know, across from each other talking to people versus being above people. I'm not I'm not a fan. And I personally really don't think that I'm above anyone. So sitting on a stage above 50, 60 people is uh is not comfortable for me, not not from a standpoint where I'm nervous or anything. It's just that's just not where I see myself. Yeah, I understand. So, um overall I think the the format better. I think my performance specifically was better. Mm-hmm. Um I think I got my points out. I think that the things that I said hopefully resonated. Um, they asked a couple public safety questions, which that's what I do for a living. So, that's right. You know, I I can s- certainly add some knowledge base to that and some tacit knowledge to to what I have to bring. But you know, overall, I think it went really well. Yeah, I thought you did very well. You know, Thank you. my observation, and it is hard when you get a question that you're not prepared for. You only have 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you have to take a moment to kind of gather yourself and then um, have, you know, have your answer prepared. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to be almost you have to anticipate the questions to a degree. But it's hard when you only have 60 seconds. And when you were on stage, you were, what, one of five. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other 
group was what one of seven, mm-hmm. you know. So the time gets sliced pretty thin, and it's difficult. It's it, a difficult environment for a candidate. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, it reminds me, uh, you know, I think personally, this the smartest person on the planet right now might be Elon Musk, mm-hmm. and and he was on the Joe Rogan podcast maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, and when Joe asked him a question, he he literally gave a pregnant pause of like thirty seconds mm-hmm. to every question. Mm-hmm. If the smartest, per- what I perceive to be the smartest person going right now, right. can't answer a question immediately, mm-hmm. and and thinks about his question and thinks about his verbalization as an answer uh, before he even opens his mouth, you know, for thirty seconds, giving us sixty seconds to answer a question is a little, yeah, you know, a little iffy. It is. The, the beauty of, um, you know, this podcasting format is you can take as long as we yeah, need. Exactly. You know, we're not, we don't have a commercial break or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that he took the time to take those pauses shows that how intelligent he really is mm-hmm. because he's not going to just speak off the cuff or sure. speak emotionally. He's going to be well thought out answers. And, and he, he has to take the time because if he says something out of line, he, he can have SEC violations. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he can do all kinds of things, all kinds of damage to his, himself and his companies. Right. So he, he needs to take the time uh, to be responsible about what he says as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're drinking whiskey the entire time for like three and a half hours. <laughs> That's trouble. <laughs> and then and then Joe Rogan does what he does and he lights a, a marijuana cigarette and he passes it to him and he's like, it's California, right? I'm going to take it. So... His stock took like a, I think a three percent hit the next day. Yeah, because, I saw that. You know, it's like, come on, man, he's an adult. Yeah, it's he's not going to be unresponsible just because he takes a hit of a blunt from Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, they were you know. clearly having some fun up there, yeah. and you know, but it certainly created a lot of fun memes, you know, on Facebook. It did. It did. But uh, yeah, it's interesting the reaction. I think from. Uh, the conservative, you know, business establishment, you know, they were, mm-hmm. you know, taken aback by it all. But a lot of people figured, you know, hey, you know, it, it's it's legal. You know, the the opinions on marijuana are largely changing across mm-hmm. the United States, certainly in California. Other people thought it was cool. You know, it shows that he's a human. Yeah, he, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't show that he's one of us very often. Right, he really doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and for him to just break himself down like that, if you will, mm-hmm. to, to do something very human, very, I don't want to say common folk-ish, but, you know, that's not something people like him do. Yeah, it, it was brave to yeah. a degree, yeah. yeah. Like his mother has a PhD, and I, I can't remember in what, but she's also a model and an actress wow. from, from South Africa. Yeah. Um, he, he comes from a very smart family. You know, he's not alone in his intelligence in that family, which is kind of outrageous. Wow. Well, you know, a lot of that's passed down from the parents, right? Yeah. Critical thinking mm-hmm. and and helping inspire them to pursue certain interests. For so sure. That's great. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's tell me about your family upbringing and your parents and where you're from. Okay. Um, I grew up in Indiana until I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents kind of were not comfortable with the environment, I guess you could say, in India anymore. There was a lot of uh, density increase, increasing in, in the the specific town we lived in. And uh, my dad found a piece of property actually in the newspaper in Kentucky, South Central Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He went down the next day and bought it, and then we moved a couple months later. Wow. Um, and then from the beginning of eighth grade until I you know, went to boot camp in 2001, 
for the Marine Corps, I, I lived in Kentucky. So um, one to four, you know, born to 14 in Indiana, uh, Kentucky, eighth grade uh, graduation. Right. Uh, then I joined the Marine Corps, and uh, I joined the Marine Corps on April 20th of 2001. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. A couple of months ahead of the, the big event. Yeah. So the, the mm-hmm. big event there in 2001, mm-hmm. uh, I went to boot camp 14 days later. So I, I was in Paris Island, South Carolina on September 25th, 2001. Wow. Yeah. Um, 18 years old, scared out of my mind. Oh, I'm sure. Um, excited for uh, becoming a Marine. Uh, I graduated three days before Christmas, got to go home for Christmas, and then uh, back to North Carolina for school. Mm-hmm. Once I graduated school in March of '02, I moved to Okinawa for two years. Oh. Okinawa, Japan. Nice. So I didn't go to Iraq. I didn't go to you know Afghanistan immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to serve in any combat roles immediately, and just spent nearly two years in Okinawa. And it's one of the most wonderful places on the planet. The people are amazing. Uh, it's just it's just an awesome place to live. Now that's like one of the southern islands in Japan, right? It is. So it is it kind it of is. tropical, right? It's very tropical. It, you know, in the summertime, uh, in the rainy season, you could go outside and it's ninety eight degrees and one hundred percent humidity. Oh my god! You know, you, you just take a shower in, in your in your barracks room and you go outside and you're drenched in sweat immediately. It's kind of one of those things, but it, it's fantastic. The now, people the, there are just amazing. You hear you hear stories, you know, people are, you know, the locals there are, are supportive of the Americans. But, you know, there's been a couple of ugly incidents that have happened. Mm-hmm. And then in some cases, the locals have been anti-U.S. military. Did you sense any of that? Um, yes. It was starting to shift, you know, as I was there. Um, a couple of Marines did a couple of bad things when I was there. And yeah. a couple of units as a group did some bad things, too. Right. But the, the older people that remember when we came in after World War II really— they were mainly supportive of us. Uh, the the younger the the population gets at Okinawa, the the more, I guess, fatigue there are for the issues, and the more unrest there is with the, us still being there. As far as they're concerned, I think the younger populations don't understand, and, and don't really need to understand for that matter, uh, what Okinawa has been through with the United States in the past. Mm-hmm. All they see is the issues now, and then right. what they foresee to be ongoing issues with Marines, right? Right. Um, we're not we're not an easy group to get along with sometimes. We're just not. Americans, Americans or, or Marines? Americans or Marines, okay. you know. <laughs> so, you know, huh. I guess the, the Marine Corps is just an amplification of being an, Ameri- the, uh, an American. Yeah, that, that, you know? that's true. You know, so yeah. we, we do everything just a little bit more violently and a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the young people in Okinawa are having issues. Um uh, that that breaks my heart because Marines yeah. don't Marines as a whole don't intend to be bad. It's just the things that, you know, we've done, the way we're trained, the way, you know, we work hard, play hard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it gets out of control a little bit. And fortunately I've never had to or never got out of control like that. So um, you know, I had really good leadership in Okinawa and really good leadership throughout my career in the Marine Corps. So I I think I did a pretty good job overall of not becoming a stereotypical out of control marine. Well, you seem like a very disciplined person. I think that's. I, I pride myself on that. I, yeah. I I think that my word is my bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I value my integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do like discipline. Mm-hmm. I have gotten a little out of discipline with not <laughs> exercising and running uh, since I've been out of the Marine Corps. And yeah. my all my Marine friends will say that that was there when I was in the Marine still. Okay. But you know, it's just. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I told myself I'm never running again. I'm not doing it. 
I don't need to run anymore. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's not fun. I've never got runners high. Yeah. You know, well, some people love it. My daughter yeah. is a huge runner. Uh, I'm not a runner. Me neither. You no, know, it just I'm, never did it for me. I, I can go on a hike all day long with 100 pounds on my back. That's fine. Yeah. I will not run ever again. <laughs> Ever again, if I unless you're to. running for city council, right? Yes, this is the only <laughs> this is the only running that yeah. I want to do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, what did you do after Okinawa? Uh, so I came back here and I hated it, San I, Diego. Yeah, I came. I was at Camp Pendleton in Las Pulgas, the fleas, in Camp Pendleton. And uh, the first three months, I, I was just I was miserable. Nothing was so. I went from a tropical yeah. island mm-hmm. to Chaparral Desert in the middle of Camp Pendleton. It sucked. It was awful. It was terrible. Um, the leadership when I got there was awful. It shortly changed. Um, and then I volunteered to go to cold weather training in Northern California. When I got back to the unit, it was amazing. I started getting out and adventuring more into San Diego uh-huh. and doing stuff with my friends that I'd spent my entire career up to that point with. Uh, we kind of all went to Okinawa together and then came back here together and right. did various other things together since then. But Las Polgas was awful, just the <laughs> middle of Camp Pendleton. And then uh, yeah. shortly after I got back from cold weather training, I said that the, the leadership at the maintenance battalion at Camp Pendleton changed. And then I volunteered to go to Kuwait with a different unit uh, in 2004. Okay. So um, I went to that different unit in 2004, deployed in uh, – we were the first Marines back in, in Kuwait and Iraq in 2004 after George Bush – President Bush decided the war was over. Oh, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished yeah, and the yeah. war was over. So all the Marines were gone when that happened, and we came back in 2004. And me and the the party that were that I was with, we were the first Marines back in that area. There was 12 of us uh, setting up uh, bases and ways to get into Iraq and offloading the maritime prepositioning force ships. We, mm-hmm. we have these ships. I don't know if I can talk about this much but we have ships all over the world in the water that, that just have combat gear st- staged on them ready to go so when a conflict breaks out those ships go to those areas and start unloading yeah well that makes sense yeah. really right yeah it's a very good logistical yeah choice for us to have pre-staged stuff like that so yeah. we were offloading the pre- the M- MPF ships mm-hmm. uh, and then I came back that was a very short deployment and then shortly after that I met my wife Excuse me. Um, I started loving San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never live anywhere else other right. than Okinawa. I okay. mean, if if the opportunity came for me to actually live in Okinawa again, I, I would do that. I think. Nice. Eventually, not right now, mm-hmm. while Jackson school, but you know, eventually it would be really cool to take my wife and son there to show them just the island and the people and everything, um, and then come back here. But I, I don't think I'll ever live anywhere else than San Diego County or Poway or. You know, even Heritage Hills where I live now, I don't think, I think I'll be there for the long haul now. Well, yeah, I mean, you're you're set, you're establishing roots, right? Yeah. Your child goes to Midland, you know, and you've been in town for, you know, quite a while. It was about nine years or so. Uh, we bought our house in 2011 at the bottom of the market, so we were we oh, got very smart. lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Um, my wife grew up in Rancho Bernardo. She uh, went to RB High. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to like four different elementary schools because RB was building up and oh yeah and. Uh, in the 80s and 90s uh, so and then she went to I can't remember what middle school she went to but she went to RB High and graduated in 2001 okay and then went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo uh-huh. uh huh she's from here 
you know, her entire life. It was a little hard for her to move to Poway, being an RB girl. Oh yeah, yeah. So, that's like Red yeah. Sox and Yankees. You but, know, you know, it's it's still <laughs> it's still a fantastic uh, school system, and mm-hmm. you know, Midland Elementary is amazing. I love it. I love the teachers there. Mm-hmm. The leadership there is fantastic. Uh, the other families that that have their kids there are awesome. So, school district is is a huge thing for us because. Jack does have ADHD, and he does have an IEP because he's a, a semi-special needs student. Right. Um, so I don't think we would get the same services and, and things that we get for Jack without being where we're at today. So Right. I mean, even we were at Terra Bonita before Midland, and it was a struggle to get some of the same services that we get at Midland for no struggle. Right. So, you know, I think Midland does an amazing job there. Yeah, well, good. I mean, yeah. it's nice that some schools can offer a different level of service in some cases. Mm-hmm. That way parents can find their way to the best spot for their child. Um, you know, generally speaking, I know the school district does a lot for special needs. They do. You know, and a lot of it is unseen, you mm-hmm. know, because different children have much more serious situations. For sure. Um, but uh, it's great that, you know, your family and your child and everyone's doing good at Midland. I think I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was talking to um, somebody the other night after the forum and, you know, parents really have to be advocates for their own children. No doubt. Um, you know, we, we can put as much as we can on the teachers and, you know, their burden is very great. Mm-hmm. But if we don't advocate for our own children and help them and be a part of the teaching process and be a part of the education process, we can't, we can't really expect too much of the teachers in the school system if we, if we're not a part of that. So, you know, Amanda and I take a very great deal of pride in, in helping Jack along and help him to get, you know, to the places he's getting mm-hmm. throughout his education, even with his, you know, limitations in learning, if you will. Yeah. I, I don't think he has any, but, you know, doctors say he does. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he just learns a little slower than everybody else because he's all over the place with his ADHD right now. I think he'll mature a little bit and grow into his learning yeah. capabilities. I'm sure he will. You know, so... um Again, parenting, 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 you know, that's that's what I tell everybody if they're having trouble with their kids in school. You know, even if their kids are well-behaved in school and they might not be learning mm-hmm. at a pace that they think they should, I'm like, well, how much are you involved in your son's education or daughter's education? Right. Right. I think that's a huge part of it. Big deal. I am not an educator myself. Right. I don't ever want that burden. Right. Um, so uh, I... Uh, but it is huge. The parenting is a big deal. If we want our if we want our kids to be successful for us in the future as old people, um, I think we need to parent them well today. No question. So. You know, a friend of mine often said that uh, it's like a three legged bar stool. The quality of teaching or the quality of education because it involves the teacher, the student, and the parent. Mm-hmm. And you really can't be as effective as you can if one of those isn't really in the game. For right? sure. For so, sure. Uh, and I think if you look at the whole you know, Poway community in general. And the, the school district gets a lot of accolades for a lot of the scores and the test results. Mm-hmm. And um, But a lot of that is due to the fact that I think the parents take such an active role in their child's education. Mm-hmm. In many cases, provide their children with additional resources that the schools can't provide, whether they're doing it personally or they're funding, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the end result is, is that, um, you know, collectively, you know, the parents, the child, the teacher, the, the culture of education is so much greater here. Yeah, I think that, you know, like you said, the the, the, the families do a lot of, you know, um, adding to the children's education, whether it be themselves or somebody else. But the school district actually does that, too, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when families that aren't so affluent need things, 
PUSD is very good about stepping up to the plate. Nice. I, I think they do do that yeah. uh, very well, and I think uh, I, I'll praise them for it until yeah. Jack's out of school. Right know? on. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I have no no problems with anything that um, I've seen personally at PUSD. You know, there's the Dr. Collins stuff and everything else, but that's, that's you know, I, I feel the same way about that as I feel about the president. I don't <laughs> right day okay. to day president Trump doesn't affect me. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So day to day Dr. Collins operations or you know Dr. Phelps's you know yeah. uh, operations don't really affect me or my son. Right. So I'm not really going to not not that I don't care. It's I just don't really feel like I need to get involved in those situations. Yeah, that makes sense. So got to pick your battles, right? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. In, at the end of the day I don't have enough time to pick every battle. Yeah, you don't. You know. It's not possible. So well, the school district, my opinion, has always been that from a uh, educational perspective, the school district is generally very well run. Mm -hmm. From a business perspective, that's where they have weaknesses. Yeah. I, again, I don't think teachers are business people. They're not. Even, you know. They, they shouldn't be. That's not their role. Even the mm -hmm. people that lead the school districts, they were former teachers. That's where, yes, that's right. For the um, most part. I, I don't. There's there's something to be said for that, right, Shirley? Um but at the same time, can those people learn about running a business? I I think they they're educators. They've always learned. They they're teaching. Yeah. Of uh, course they can point. learn about running a business. It, mm -hmm. It's the willingness. You know, if if I were selecting a new superintendent for a school district, I would be like, so when are you getting your MBA? Right. 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 Uh, so, not that an MBA is required to run a business. I have an MBA, and I'm never going to own my own business. Mm -hmm. That's not something I'm interested in. Um, but at the same time, there's there's some principles and and theories in there that the rest of their education life hasn't they've not really been taught. Right, and they haven't experienced it, yeah. you know. And I mean, you're you're a business person. You have an MBA. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your career. Uh, you touched on it at the uh, the forum. You yeah. know that you you're involved with a lot of the communications technology that law enforcement uses. Mm -hmm. I, I work for a, a Fortune 200 company that provides communication devices for. Um, public safety mm -hmm. and private uh, communication devices uh, for corporations. We just recently put a radio system in for uh, Facebook and Tesla. We have a radio system at Disney and SeaWorld. Mm -hmm. uh, we have radio systems at most of uh, the large corporation uh, campuses uh, throughout the country. Uh, but primarily we, we provide public safety devices and infrastructure to um, fire departments, police departments, county agencies, sheriff departments, mm -hmm. uh, state agencies. And on a larger scale, we provide Department of Defense communication systems. Um, we have a Navy system that's worldwide. You can literally key a hand radio here at your house and talk to somebody in Korea on a radio. Really? Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So we like have, a cross-platform cross kind of thing. Uh, actually, no, it's just purely so it can do that. Mm -hmm. But it's still just radio. It's still just terrestrial radio okay. um, signal from here to there. So they do a, a a thing. It's not common anymore, but they can do atmospheric skips. So they're they're skipping mm. off the mesosphere. And I'm not technical, so I may be wrong on that aspect. <laughs> or a meteorologist. If there's any ham radio guys <laughs> yeah. out there that are going to criticize me, I apologize ahead of time. So we, we skip radio signals off of... The mesosphere, ionosphere, I can't remember which one, and the received, you know, on the other side of the world um, within a couple, you know, microseconds, milliseconds. Amazing. Yeah. So, we, you know, I, I sell service and support for my company, mm -hmm. um, 
and you know I I become a trusted advisor for cops on the ground on how to use their radio effectively, people that set up those radio systems, um, and give them you know the the things they need after they buy the equipment to make sure their equipment stays in tip top shape uh, because it's cheaper to maintain it than it is to buy new. Oh yeah, when for, you, for when, sure. When something breaks, so um, that's kind of what I touched on at the, at the forum the other night. I, Efficiencies aren't to be made in personnel. We don't. We don't want to um, make the public safety personnel, fire department, and police department individual employees suffer because we need budget efficiencies. The efficiencies are there to be made in the equipment. Um, yeah, we need to be able to go to the negotiating table for their salaries um, when we need to, and, and effectively. But we don't want to alienate those people and alienate their specific unions by always asking them for another nickel. Mm -hmm. The efficiencies are there to be made in their cars, maintaining them versus buying new ones versus, you know, if, if an officer just wants to run his car in the, in the dirt, you know, those things need to be handled differently and specifically. But the efficiencies aren't, like I said, aren't to be made in the people. It's the, it's the things that the officers use, the, the pencils, the papers, the, the boots, the flak jackets, the, you know, the rounds, the guns. Do we need AR-15s on motorcycles? Uh, I'm not sure we need that in Poway. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was, the power was at my, out at my house the other day for a, an sdg &E scheduled outage. So I went to my church to work uh, in the office because I just needed a place to sit in the air conditioner because it was like yeah. 100 degrees in my house. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a sheriff pulled somebody out uh, just on the corner of Twin Peaks and Midland there. And he pulled somebody over on Midland Road. He was coming from Twin Peaks into Midland. And, I, and I'm out there looking through the window. And this this motorcycle cop has an AR-15 on the back of his motorcycle. I'm not sure we need that. Wow. I, I don't like the militarization of police department. Mm -hmm. I think I think that makes people think other things of the police department. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not threatening to me because, you know, I'm, I'm used to guns like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, I can imagine how threatening that is to people that aren't used to weapons or don't like weapons. Right. And there's a lot of those people here in California. The, well, yeah, California for sure. Yeah. But there's, there's, there's a, definitely a clear uh, delineation between what the military's role is and what police role is. Specific, I mean, very specific delineation. Yes. It's not, we shouldn't cross those streams. But that's what's happening. And it seems like it's, I don't know if it's surplus military gear that's being kind of hand-me-downed. Down. A lot of times it is, but I, I, I guarantee you this AR-15 was bought because somebody thought it was a good deal. Yeah. And they thought it would be cool for their officers to have these. Yeah. You know, 12-gauge shotgun's way more effective than an AR-15 for a police officer. Right. Way more effective. Mm hmm I mean, I don't advocate home gun ownership because... Um, if you're not trained to have a gun, you shouldn't have a gun. No question. Yeah. And, and guns are something, they're not toys. They're tools yeah. that should be handled by very effectively trained people. That's right. Um, I, I have different ideas about officers, you know, carrying guns all together. Um, if you go to the UK and England specifically, mm -hmm. their street patrol cops don't carry guns. They just have what, billy clubs, right? They just have billy clubs. Mm -hmm. If you mouth off to them, they will use that billy club very quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's their deterrent for bad, you know, just common crime. Yeah, you know, you can't disrespect them the way uh, police officers in the United States get disrespected. Right, you just get whacked with a stick. <laughs> I'm not into that. Right, just right. not into getting hit with a billy club. Yeah, right. You know? um, so, 
it, it's back and forth. They use a lot more SWAT officer SWAT style officers in the UK and stuff mm. uh, when they need you know heavy art- artillery stuff like that. Not artillery itself, but you know heavier weapons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here in the United States, that's you know we we put a lot of burden on the on the police departments and and sheriffs and cops themselves. You know they they have to make split decisions on things that um, they might not be even trained for. You know budgets for them are are constrained as well. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't think cops are trained well enough with weapons. I, I really don't think that at all. I mean, I spent my entire Marine Corps career having a gun on me. You know, in Iraq, I slept with a, a weapon. You know, just you always have a weapons retention mindset when you're in a combat zone. I don't know that cops think the same way. You know, I, I know how to operate with a weapon 24-7, 365 if I have to. Um, I don't know that I could change that if, I, if, our, if me or my friends become cops. I have a few Marine friends that have become cops since we've all gotten out. But I, I think they operate in a different way than civilians becoming cops operate. Oh, yeah. Uh, that makes sense yeah. because of their training and For sure. and their discipline For and sure. everything else that comes and, with it. And that's a big part of, like, you know, the, the, the gentleman that got shot in his backyard in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I, I think if those guys were, were military trained or as, as well trained with their weapons and situations as Marines specifically are— I don't think that situation would have happened unless there are other things going on with those officers that would, I think, disqualify from them, them from being cops in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I would imagine that, and this is my hunch here, is that if a, if a police officer is shooting um, at, a, at a person that hasn't already shot at them, then there must be a great deal of fear. Yeah. You know, and, you know I, the common Marine doesn't really, we all fear, you know the end but I don't know that in a backyard where you know I would never shoot first in that situation right you know I don't know that many of my marine friends would shoot first in that situation right Um, you know the rules of engagement always changed in Iraq when we were there and you know sometimes we couldn't shoot back unless somebody got hit really really wow really I mean it it, it, and from day to day hour to hour it changed drastically It, it was quite stressful sometimes how many years were you in Iraq? Um, a little under, right at right at around two. Was it multiple deployments? Multiple deployments, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's you know, I I don't have anything bad to say about why we were there, the mm-hmm. things we did. Um, I wish we did extra things mm-hmm. like you know improve, improve infrastructure mm-hmm. and schools mm-hmm. and water for mm-hmm. the people. Um, I think that was well within our means to do so. We just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way out of poverty for any people of any group anywhere is education. And we didn't do that for those people. Um, so I, that kind of breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we can go down that. That's a deep rabbit yeah. hole we can go down. <laughs> for but, sure. But, but I appreciate the fact that you've had that experience, you know, and I think about you know, what you bring to the table here in Poway, you know, as a city council candidate, you've seen parts of the world. You know, I, I've talked yeah. to some other candidates here and, you know, they, they've spent time in Italy or in Spain, you know, where they've lived abroad and you've mm-hmm. lived abroad. You've traveled to the Middle East. You've interacted with people of, you know, 
of all, you know, spectrum, right? The whole spectrum of life, people yeah. of different ethnicities and religions and different st states in life. Um, that can, I think, help you, you yeah. know, not just as a as citizen, but maybe it helps you differentiate yourself from some of your competitors in the race. Yeah, I, you know, the, the you know, my main competitor, Dave. Hey, Dave, I know you're watching. <laughs> Um, I know John Ryan said he wanted to say hi to you, so I'm going to go ahead and say hi to you for John and I. Um, he, he was in the Air Force. Uh, I don't know that, you know, I, I think he did get deployed to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what he did in Vietnam, really. I don't know that we've had that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter spent a lot of time in, in the Navy, but he was at the bottom of the ocean the entire time doing stuff in a sub right. uh, with his buddies there. Uh, I I don't think, you know, President Reagan said there's no greater thing than, you know, uh, actually, people spend their entire lives wondering if they've made a difference. Hmm. Marines don't have that problem, is <laughs> That's what President true. Reagan said. Um, yeah. I've led Marines in combat, and I know for the rest of my life that I will have been successful doing that. You know, um, having my son and my wife, my family, has changed my picture on being a success a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that just adds to my success. But I don't ever have to think of, of what my life would have been without success because I was a Marine and I led Marines in combat. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, that, that does make me a little bit different than the other guys in the race. Yeah. Um, I think it's made me a little bit more patient. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes my judgment a little bit better, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, not, not that I think I'm better than them. I, I think that all four of us running for District 1 love Poway. We love different parts of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really do think that, you know, my judgment, my integrity, and my ability to interpret what I think um, from listening to the people of Poway will be is better than theirs. Um, I don't think I'm running against Peter and John. I really don't, mm -hmm. and I don't think John or Peter think they're running against me either. I I agree. I think everyone's thinking they have to unseat the incumbent. We do, and it's it's mm -hmm. it's very difficult, you know. It is. It's a hard job. Um, do I think Dave's done a bad job? I I really don't think any of our current council have done a bad job. Uh, again, I think that their decisions in certain areas could have been different, could have mm -hmm. been a little bit better, you know. But everybody thinks that they can do something better. I just want to be a part of it and actually be a part of making it better. I'm not just going to be a, you know, a Monday morning quarterback saying <laughs> this is what I would have done, right? right, right. I, I want to be a part of doing it differently. Mm -hmm. um, that, I think that's another difference in me so than, than some of the other people running for any office in Poway. It's, I'm always going to be a part of the solution and never just complain. Mm -hmm. um, in the paper, this last in the Chieftain this last time, it said, you know, some... Some uh, I think something about outstanding critics or you know often critics. Uh, I've never really got up and criticized the council at council meetings except for once after Poway days when I didn't see any of those guys at any of the events. Mm. You know I, I think if we're going to grow community events here in Poway organically, I think that the people look for those kind of individuals to be at those events. Yeah, and if they see them there, if they see them in the paper there, online there, on the Poway website there. On Facebook, there, Twitter, there, next door, you know, any of these these arenas to see people in images on at community events. I think that's what grows events. No honestly. question. Yeah, it does. So when when the people are like, well, there's nobody here. Well, there's 
1,500 people at the beer fest, but none of the city council was there. Mm-hmm. The mayor wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of their, their supporters there because I know those people. But, you know, the people that put on those events try very, very hard, and they do a damn good job doing it. And to just be eschewed by the, the leadership is a little not disrespectful, but it, it's borderline disrespectful. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I'm not going to criticize anybody because I think we've gotten to Poway where it is today with that leadership. Mm-hmm. And I, they, they haven't done a bad job. Mm-hmm. Poway's a fantastic place to live. Mm-hmm. People stay in their homes in Poway 89% of the time. Yeah, they do. That's, you know, from census to census, 89% of the people surveyed still lived in their homes, their same homes. From t- for 10 years apart, from right? From 10 years apart. Wow. That, I didn't know that stat. That's a good one. That's that's part of the reason that our revenue as a city is static. Yeah, that's true. Because the tax base is increasing. That's if right. people move out of their homes, their their tax rate is increased or mm-hmm. decreased based upon the value of said home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, revenue comes from that. And that's a large part of our revenue. You know, we get one penny from our sales tax. Right. One penny of every seven point whatever percent sales tax we have one penny of from the state comes back to us right of each you know dollar that's right that that's not a lot no so our tax base really comes from revenue from property taxes primarily yeah that's right mm-hmm. and in you know, the city talks about this a lot where they're running out of land to develop and if you're thinking strictly in terms of revenue to the city and if that's your kind of focus that you worry about that, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you need to generate more revenue to incur, uh, incur the extra costs. Mm-hmm. And they had talked a little bit about that in the in the forum, you know, and the increasing pension costs, and they're mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out ways to manage it, and it does get tricky. It does, and it's, you have to find the efficiencies, like you talked about, you know, to be able to make the dollar stretch. I, I think so. there there are many efficiencies in our current budget. Um, you know, I I would never upset the apple court apple cart and and go away from you know the being radical and change right so there's a the 48 laws of power book you know you should appear to be an agent for change but don't change so much to appear to be a radical Mm. like you should always want change um even if you know that's at your own expense right that's that's something we should all want for all the time uh, because change is good and change purifies things, if you will, right? Mm. Uh, when when the Native Americans owned this land, they used to set it all on fire because it fertilized the land and it brought back better crops in the, in, you know, in, in the years to follow that. So um, change is not a bad thing. Uh, right. That's how we have human progress, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like from the company I work for, we, we, pro- we built the first phone, the first cell phone ever. Really? The the first cell phone call was made in 1973. It was a two and a half pound horseshoe looking phone that um, one of our executives and engineers called our main uh, competitor, Bell Labs, from walking, he was walking around downtown uh, Chicago, uh, the engineer from my company. I'm still not going to say the name. Okay. I don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, But, uh, he was walking around downtown Chicago and calling uh, New York City at Bell Labs, and uh, 
the guy couldn't believe it. The, the guy at Bell Labs couldn't believe and doesn't remember this conversation on purpose, I think. Mm. But the, the, phone, <laughs> the first cell phone call was made in 1973. And then we actually made the first cell phone with iTunes on it. Uh, the company I work for did. And then uh, a year later, uh, Steve Jobs comes out with a touchscreen mm-hmm. phone. And we didn't really hold him accountable for taking the idea away from us. So that's kind of why the company I work for is not well known in the cell phone business anymore because Steve Jobs kind of took our lunch. Yeah. Well, he, he was an innovator. And in some cases, he kind of... He was ruthless. He was ruthless. Yeah. yeah. At the time, we, we had a, a CEO that was from HP before. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, he, he kind of laid down for him. Mm. You know, it was kind of, not that he cowered to him, you know, like a scared dog or whatever, yeah. but he had no fight back. And I just, you know, again, to my integrity and my word, I, I, I'm i always going to fight for what I believe in. And as what, you should, yeah. And, and, you know, as a man, if I give you my word, I'm going to fight for that. Right. right. Uh, I, I always want to deliver for the things that I promise, mm-hmm. you know. I might not always deliver exactly the things that I promise, but I'm going to sure do my damnedest to try. Yeah, I, I don't know how, what to, how to respond to that, but I mean, <laughs> when you talk to political candidates, right, yeah. you hear a lot of cliches, campaign yeah. promises. Yeah. What you just said, I believe you. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I felt that. Yeah. Um, I, I wow. so not not to not to change the subject, but I cry when I hear the national anthem. Still, John, you do. It means that much to me. Yeah. Wow, wow, yeah. wow! Like, I'll get emotional talking about that, but that's how much the United States means to me and why I served it. Right, right. I understand. I respect that. Wow. Sorry. No, I no. just drug this conversation down. No, this is good. <laughs> this is this is moving. You know, and yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a lot of opinions on uh, you know what makes America great, and I always think about um, the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. That's what hits me, mm-hmm. and it's about inalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for and, everybody, and for everybody, for everybody, and uh, and government. Their role is securing those rights, mm-hmm. and um, something I, I, I strongly believe in that. And, uh, you know, a lot of this, you know, is really more on the national scope, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you kind of wonder how do those, how do those uh, basic principles apply on a local level, you know? It, and the, it's just that. Those are basic principles that we can apply at the local level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, the senior center is a, a great example. Mm-hmm. When, when, and I, I can't remember if her name's Leslie or Lindsay, but the director of the senior center. Yeah. She, she had a forum on Tuesday night before the city council meeting. Mm-hmm. She, she had tears in her voice talking about how much she loved those people mm-hmm. and loved working at the senior center. Nice. You know, um, it's people like that that make Poway great. Oh, no It's gra- people no, like yeah. that across the country that no make question. the nation great. Yeah. It, it's those those same inalienable rights that are talked about in that preamble that, that, that are easily applicable to local yes. situations. Yeah. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. You just have to love everybody. Right. And want to be a part of everybody. That's right. You know, like I'm, I put my pants on the same way you do. <laughs> you know? Okay. 
No, yeah. I can't think of anybody that stands them up, starched up, and just jumps in them from a table or whatever. I, I don't know that anybody <laughs> does that. You know, Mayor Voss puts his pants on the same way I do. Yes, he just he does. adds a cowboy hat at the end. That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's just, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a Marine. Right. I, I might do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. I might speak a little bit differently when I when I get hot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that doesn't mean I care any less mm-hmm. or I care any more. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just who I am. It's a part of the way I do things. Uh, that's the way I'm wired now. It's well, yeah. Because of my training, because yeah. of, you know, the way the Marine Corps raised me. Yeah. My dad was a Marine and his dad was a Marine. Oh, and, wow. And, I didn't and know his that. dad was a Marine. I'm a fifth generation Marine. So, yeah, it that's just the way the Carson family on our side does things. You know, it's funny because Kaylin Frank was here yesterday and mm-hmm. we did a podcast and she comes from a family that have all been in public service, right? Mm-hmm. You know, deputies and city council people. And that's, she's following that. You're a fifth generation Marine. Kaylin was talking about some of the work that they're doing at the county level where there's multi-generational people that are in gangs. Mm-hmm. But the point, I guess, of all of it is that your parents are just so influential, you know, and how you're being raised. They help establish those those values, those morals, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the direction you take in life. And you know where those boundaries are as you go forward. Yeah. It, with my parents, it wasn't so much that those things were instilled in me. It was just the environment, the discipline. You know, the it, it wasn't specifically about being a Marine. Like, my dad was way out of the Marine Corps before I was born. Uh, he didn't really talk about being a Marine very much. He didn't have a lot of stuff around the house as far as being an oorah, you know, yeah. gung-ho Marine or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, that's just not who my dad was. My mm-hmm. dad was kind of a beatnik hippie, and he, he was a radio station DJ, you know, after he got out of the Marine Corps and, you know, listened to classic rock, rock and roll at the time in the 70s. It's now classic and, yeah, rock, right? It's, it's my favorite music. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he, uh, he he and my mother didn't want me to join the Marines at all. Like, they wow. did not want me to be a Marine. Uh, they, they wanted uh, they wanted me to be whatever it was there. Like, I could do anything I wanted to at home in Kentucky and just live there, have a thousand kids, do whatever there, and they'd be happy with that. Um, I I don't want to say I was a big fish in a small pond living in a small town in Kentucky, but that's kind of what it ended up being. Um, I still love all of my friends back there. You know, I'm I'm very close with uh, a friend of mine, Bob, that lives in Tennessee. Uh, we joined the Marine Corps together. He got out and went back in when I was getting out. Um, so I still love visiting there. I still love the small town atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But that, we have that here in Poway. Yeah, we do. You know, the barbecue there is way better than anything in California, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, uh, the bourbon too, maybe, huh? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's that's kind of my uh, that's kind of my thing to do now. Okay. Uh, a glass of whiskey is the best thing you can enjoy mm-hmm. at the end of a day. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, some people are wine people. Mm-hmm. You know, especially here in California, we have mm-hmm. fantastic wine. Uh, but I just can't get past a a nice small batch of bourbon from bourbon County, Kentucky. And yeah. you know, the redneck did his damnedest to make that whiskey the best he could do. Oh, no question. And, and yeah. I say redneck cause most of those guys are just backwoods, you know, yeah, they, they, they know the way that they want to do it. They know where the water comes from. They know where the grain comes from. Uh, they don't want to do it any different. They don't want, they don't want the government to get involved. You know, they, they just want to, they want to do what they do and just leave everything else to the people that drink it. They're artists. Yeah, they are. They're, and, you know, the, the, the term artisans coming up more and more with 
you know, America becoming a building nation again. We're we're coming back to building, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it started in Detroit with their revitalization, I think, a little bit. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Jack White, uh, the musician. Oh yeah, from and, the White Stripes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Raconteurs and Jack White. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Raconteurs, yeah. yeah. And all the other stuff that he makes gold, but mm-hmm. uh, he bought a record pressing plant in Detroit. And he presses, he has his own record label and they press vinyl records in Detroit. And, you know, the the areas he's really put a lot of money into Detroit are becoming those artisan builders again. Nice. There's a, there's a bicycle shop in Detroit that makes, you know, single speed, you know, uh, what do they call those? Fixies, bikes? right? Fixies, yeah. Yeah. Single speed fixies. And these mm-hmm. bikes are like 10 grand a piece. Whoa. You know, I, I, I can't see paying that much for a bicycle ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people do. You know, it's a handcrafted, well-built sewing machine of a bicycle. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's very precise. Uh, you know, the records, that's not an easy thing to do is to press a piece of plastic in the music. You know, that, that went by the wayside because it was hard and expensive. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the cars that are built in Detroit are still fantastic. Yeah. They've, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, they weren't great. Mm-hmm. But they're coming back again. Yeah, they are. You know, the fighting spirit of America is is alive and well. Yeah. Um, we're, we're making more than we have in you know 50 years, and it I think it it encourages me. I wasn't around 50 years ago, but it encourages me to see us become an industrial powerhouse again because I think that's where we're where we're at our best. Yeah, you know, it is a great topic to talk about. You know, especially in light of you know the things that uh, you know President Trump is doing with trade and you know trade deficits, and mm-hmm. this all comes up, but. What was largely hidden from the, is that is that today America produces dramatically more than it did forty or fifty years ago, yeah. and it does it with less people because of the efficiencies, because mm-hmm. of the technologies that allowed them to be far more productive. But the the perception is is that because there's been so much growth in manufacturing in Asia, that we have become second <clears throat> rate. But I still think we're the number two country in terms of manufacturing GDP, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are. We mm-hmm. are still still there. Um, yeah. You know, Asia may manufacture as much as they do, and they may be the the leading the leaders of it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it comes to the United States. You have the BRIC nations, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Mm-hmm. That that there's a lot of people in those countries. Oh, yeah. And they don't manufacture like we do. No, they don't. They don't have the they don't have the entrepreneurialism that we do. That's right. They don't have the the skilled labor that we do. That's right. And they don't have the stability that we do. Yep. Um, I don't know that I would want to operate a business in any of those countries because of their instability. Mm-hmm. Instability, I guess you will. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in a country like Brazil. Mm. You know, like they had, they just had the Olympics there. Yeah, in Rio. I, mm-hmm. If if I had a kid in the Olympics, <laughs> I don't know that I would want, want would have wanted them to go there because of how how unsafe that country is. Yeah, you know, and and that affects businesses. Well, right? a friend of ours is. Uh, travels for business and she's uh, she works for um, Oracle and so she does training you know for software applications and she was in Sao Paulo and she was given very clear instructions like at the hotel it says you can walk on this street but do not walk on the street next door because it's extremely dangerous and that affects business no doubt about it right like mm-hmm. you know even Oracle that affects them yes it does like so if she something happens to her Oracle's on the hook to take care of that that's right and and I, if I were the CEO of Oracle, I wouldn't want to deal with that. Right. So why? Right. It's he doesn't. He, is it Larry Ellison? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. doesn't have to do that. Yeah. 
he, he doesn't have to conduct business in that country. It's it's beneficial that they do, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to. That's right. Right? They mm-hmm. can just turn their back on that and move somewhere else, do mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. Right? That's that's the economics that that is the part of people or people in economics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I really, in my education and in a graduate degree, I studied a lot in, in economics and I don't think that economics are numbers. Um, even no, at, even no. in my master's thesis, I wrote about uh, the why things, why people make the decisions they make, and I I had zero numbers besides page numbers in my thesis, right? Yeah, it's like, a lot of psychology. It, it's just yeah. people. Yeah, it's just people, yeah. and and you know, if if I get elected in November, I I know people better than my competitors and better than about anybody else that I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just a, it's a. It's an intelligence that's different than, you know, numbers, than reading, than than everything else. It's, it, you know, poker players are really good at reading people. Yes, they are. Um, I'm not a great poker player just because I get bored really easy. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it, being able to, to to tell what body language means and and from different people because different cultures have different kinds of body language, different people, mm-hmm. different regions of the United States have different body languages, right? People in New York City will get way closer to you than they will here in California. Yeah. Right. Like they're close talkers, yeah, right? Yeah, their, their bubble is way smaller than Californians. And, right. And people in Kentucky, you know, where I grew up uh, later in, you know, my school, you know, in high school and whatnot, if you get that close to a man talking, they're going to hit you. <laughs> you know, that's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you hug everybody still, yeah. but then you back away. Well, you there's know? a there's like the neutral zone, right? It, yeah, like exactly. a Star Trek thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, the Boy Scouts were talking about the uh, Cub Scouts. We were doing uh, the kids were starting to whittle with knives. Oh, nice! And yeah. uh, one of the one of the little boys had an older brother in Cubs and Boy Scouts, and his mom and he goes blood circle. But I'm like, that sounds awful. Why would you say that? But his mom was like, oh, yeah, that's what they call it. When, like, if, if you hold your knife out and you go in a circle around you, you know, if there's nobody in your circle, there's not going to be any blood. But if anybody gets in your circle, there could be blood because you can reach them with your knife. Ah, so that's I'm the like, bubble. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a, an that, awful way to describe it, yeah, that. Yeah, it is an awful way to describe it, but I understand. Especially yeah. like little Cub Scouts, you know. Yeah, I'm like, uh. oh, that's terrible. Don't, <laughs> no. And then, you know, even then, like, people, like, I was just letting Jack just, you know, do his thing. And I'm like, if he cuts himself, he's only going to do it once. It's just stitches. Yeah. yeah. I, that's another thing parents don't let their kids do is fail. That's how Fa- you learn. Failure is a big part of learning. No question. Right? Yeah. You know, and even as adults, like nobody wants anybody to fail. And like I said at the forum, I don't think any of the candidates, you know, for Power Unified School District or the city, nobody wants Power to fail on any level. Of course not. And I think everybody there is is passionate about that. And everybody has, you know, specific ideas in mind for Poway. Um, Nobody has an idea to let Poway fail. Nobody. You know, from Kaylin, you know, that's a fairly recent resident, Mm -hmm. to the longest tenured person that's lived in Poway. Nobody wants, I mean, nobody wants that. Of course not. Nobody wants anything to fail in the United States. You know, we want want to bring back the image that we're the greatest nation in the country or in the world. You know, we might not be right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But we can get there again. Mm-hmm. You know, Poway might not be the greatest city in San Diego County or the state. We were, you know, I mm-hmm. think at one specific time. We can get there again. You know, I, I think we have the business park 
to have the technology innovation. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the revitalization of Poway Road is going to be fantastic for our image. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a great place to raise a family. You know, we were in that list that Mayor Boss referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that same list, we're very low in fun. Right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're, I noticed that. We're very low in fun. Yeah. Not, not that Poway is not a fun place to live if, if you have a specific idea of what yeah. fun is, like yeah. hiking or doing outdoor activities like yeah. that. But, you know, I, I think I I don't – if 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 you talk to my friends mm-hmm. um, that know me very well, I, I don't take life that seriously. It, it's just not – I life's not worth doing if you're not having fun. Yeah, it's no just, question. It's just really not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. not doing not, – not that I think that life's not worth doing at all yeah. for some people. I, you know, no matter what, if you're not having fun or having fun. But – it's so much better when you are having fun. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. And I will never sit from a council seat and lecture anybody about coming to a meeting or not coming to a meeting about their decisions or not decisions. I just won't do it. Because at the end of the day, people have their own things, reasons for doing things. They might not have reasons for doing this, but this. Um, but I will, from those seats, if I get elected... Try to have as much fun as I can. Yeah. And yeah. to help the city have as much fun as we can. Yeah. You know, we have we have the Tony Gwynn 5.5K, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably as big a baseball fan as I am. And, mm-hmm. and Tony Gwynn's spot to hit the baseball was at the 5.5 hole. Right on. You know? Yeah. Tony Gwynn is probably the best Powegian that's ever lived. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tori. I know your family <laughs> started Poway and Dr. Lee was your great grandfather. Yeah. This, that, and the other thing. I think that, you know, that's fantastic. But his smile. Oh, yeah. And, his, and what he brought to our city. Oh, yeah. And the things he did for us. We, yeah. And, and just the image alone, without doing anything else, is was fantastic. And what a fantastic human being him and his family are. No doubt. No question. But like, we we have the, 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 the race there, the running race with, uh, is it Mike Hesper? No, it's uh, who makes the Tony Gwynn beer? The, the, the three ninety four. Yeah, I'm not sure. Man, that's gonna bother me, Paul. I'm sorry. I know you're gonna yell at me for not remembering. <laughs> uh, but uh, they, they partner with the, the Gwynn Foundation on putting mm-hmm. on on that run, and it was brought from Miramar area back to Poway because that's where they're from. Nice. And, you know, I think that we do the mud run. We do. You know the Easter egg hunt. We do all these other events in Poway, and those are, those are fun events. We do the rodeo for Pete's sake. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic fun event. Yeah, that is. It, there were so many people there on Saturday night when I was there. That's a huge deal. It was amazing. Yeah. I've never been to it before. Yeah. Just because you know what? Yeah. There's. I, I'm not a big fan of large crowds, so you know. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um. So you know, I I kind of avoided it until recently, but. There is a lot of fun to have in Poway if you're, again, of a specific mindset, outdoor-type activities and um, rodeo and whatnot. But, excuse me, sorry. We can we can add to the things here in Poway because we have the business park, because we have, you know, the stadium at Poway High. We have the concert facility next, next door at the Performing Arts mm-hmm. Center. Uh, we can have things here in Poway. We just have to have the people that are willing to do the work. To allow those things to happen. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what it always comes down right? to. Like the city council doesn't have to do the work that 
themselves to make the things happen. They just have to do the work to allow those things to happen. Right. That's, that's all it is. And I'm not sure that they're unwilling to do that now, but I want to be a part of doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we can have fun. I think we can put on, you know, festivals for music here in Poway. I think we have the land to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we could do it at Lake Poway and put on a fantastic music festival for a weekend and, and not have to do Cabo and Del Mar and those things. You know, Cal Jam up in Riverside. We could do that here in Poway. Well, you know, Poway actually has a lot of great musical roots we here. We do. You know, Blink-182 is from the, Poway. So those guys actually went to the church I go to at Living Way. Oh, right on. Yeah. So um, uh, Tom DeLong and the he, DeLong family actually yeah. went to Living Way Church for a period of time. Nice. Yeah. So you got you got Blink-182 is mm-hmm. from here. The, have you heard of Unwritten Law? I have. Yeah. So they're, they're from Poway. I think they have a song called Crazy Poway Kids, if I remember. And then, um, you know, Louis XIV was mm-hmm. uh, um, a band that came out of Poway, and uh, Brian Karsig is the, the guy's name. Uh, and his mother, Mary Karsig, you see her around town, mm-hmm. Poway and RB. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, you, you, you have, you have a, f- a fundamental basis for having a music festival here mm-hmm. because Poway, not only a launching pad for athletes, it's a launching pad for yeah. musicians. Yeah, I mean, even Mayor Voss is a you know oh, yeah. a yeah. Grammy award winning. Yes, he is musician. You can't leave him out, right? And his daughter. Have you been following what his daughter Anna has been doing? She's pretty good. She. I, is, I don't really like country music anymore because I think Kenny Chesney ruined country music. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's guys like Sturgill Simpson and you know uh, Brian Isbell, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Isbell rather, yeah, and, and some other guys bringing country music back to where I I think it should be. But okay, again, just my opinion. Well, you're a Kentucky guy, so yeah, you you exactly. can appreciate that. I have to like the Kentucky guys, and Sturgill's from Kentucky. Yeah, you know? so um, I, I like rock and roll music. That's what I. That's why. That's what attracts me to music. It, mm-hmm. it makes me happy. It, it yes, relaxes it me. Yeah. Yeah. Even you know, heavy metal relaxes me. It's just that's the way I'm. I'm yeah, built. I hear you. I'm not. Uh, I don't like. I'm not a hip hop guy that right. much. I can listen to it. I can appreciate the lyrics that they use mm-hmm. in their in their word usage and word play. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I agree. Um, the way that their their minds work is different than the way mine's my my brain works. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially a guy like Eminem or Jay Z or you know Tupac or Biggie. Mm-hmm. The, the just the way that they form thoughts in yeah. their bars is completely different than the way I would think about using those same words. Right. You know? Um, you know, the mumble rap is kind of lazy. <laughs> but, uh, again, I, I, I rock and roll really makes me happy. What's your, uh, what are some of your favorite artists? Specifically classic rock. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a huge fan of Led Zeppelin, The nice. Doors, nice. The Who. Um, so that's the real deal classic rock right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, I just love music. Like, you know, it just, it's universal. Math and music are the two universal languages. I think that can translate. That's right. No matter what yes, language you speak, where mm-hmm. you're from, mm-hmm. uh, what religion you are, mm-hmm. the the music I listen to may not be a, you know attractive to everybody. You know, because I like a little heavier version of rock and roll nowadays. And yeah. In, in my, you know, where I'm at currently, but I think, you know, guys like Gary Clark Jr. making blues music. Oh, that's nice. It's, you know, he's him and, you know, the way John Mayer plays the guitar, Keith yeah. Urban. I, I get blown away when you see Mayer playing guitars. You have no idea yeah. that he's that talented yeah. at, on, as, a, as a guitarist. Yeah. And, you know, Nicole, Kidman, Nicole Kidman's husband, you know, 
uh, Keith Urban. Yeah. He's probably better than John Mayer. Really? Yeah. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned, Gary Clark Jr., he, he, he's a different um, player than both of those guys. And um, he's from Austin, Texas, the same as Steve Ray Vaughn, mm-hmm. uh, another huge oh, God. person that I, I – like, I, I just – you know, I hear him play the guitar, and it's like, whoa, is this guy an alien? Yeah, like, he's unbelievable. And and Gary Gary Clark Jr. is on that level. Yeah. And, you know, the, hear the old guys, Eric Clapton, talk about those guys. It's like, he's the real deal. If Eric Clapton's saying he's good, he's the real deal. Yeah. You know, and Eric Clapton lived in Escondido with J.J. Kale for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, there was like an album that or a song. Es- the Road to Escondido. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I remember when I mentioned Escondido's name. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we have, like you said, that we have the basis for something large in Poway like that. I, I wouldn't want it to turn into Kabu. I would want it to be, you know, something small, intimate, yeah. and fun. And, and fun. And not burdensome. I don't I don't want to hurt the environment mm-hmm. anywhere. I don't want to impact the residents. You know, if it's a little loud here and there, we can get around that. That's not that big a deal. Yeah. You know, um, especially for a day or two. You know, that's not that great of an inconvenience. And most people, if you know, have the means to just go on vacation, if that's the <laughs> they case. They can plan around it, you yeah. know? Yeah. So Poway has the capability of being fun, and I think we should be fun for the sake of being fun. Yeah. Oh, no you question. Know? Yeah. It's the right thing to do for everybody. We mm-hmm. we pay a lot of property tax here in Poway uh, in the state because of the, the, the value of our home. Yes. Not specifically because... You know, property taxes are high or anything. I think it's our our tax situation is fantastic. One percent or ten grand, whichever's higher. Yeah. You know that that's the greatest thing that mm-hmm. California has to offer uh, as far as tax breaks go, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's just the right thing to do, John. You know, having fun. Yeah. Like everything. You know, it starts with our kids and building. You know, ball fields and parks for them. Mm-hmm. Like really, that's where. It, should start the adults are another thing altogether mm-hmm. but if we don't start taking care of the kids more we already do a good job yeah but more yeah. just because we should if we don't start doing that that's you know the kids are going to get out of high school they're going to go to college and never come back right and that and that's happening a lot and that's, it is and it's kind of unfortunate um there's the cost of homes that's one of it right but i don't i don't see that as a problem I really don't. And a lot of people will say that the cost of living in Poway is outrageous and and the home prices are, you know, why people can't move to Poway. But at the very same time, we have kids that go to school at Stanford, at Harvard, all over the country to great schools. Like your daughter is at Cal Poly mm-hmm. and your son's at New Mexico. New Mexico. Those mm-hmm. are fantastic schools. Yeah. Right? If they If they have the ability to get a good job in San Diego— and Poway's fun to live in. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt in my mind that they would want to move back to Poway because they grew up here. Yeah, and people want to live where they grew up. Oh, a lot of people right? do. Yeah, I, I, I'm a different case. But my wife, you know, she grew up in Rancho Bernardo. Yeah, she would probably have rather chosen to live in Rancho Bernardo because that's where she was more comfortable in. Mm-hmm. But she has no problem living in Poway. It's the same. It's it's the same good streets, the same public safety, the same county the same school system specifically yeah yeah you know the same culture the, the very very much the same culture yeah you know people want to live where they grew up whether they go to college and come back go to the military and come back or not they really people are much would rather live where they're comfortable living versus something new 
Um, there are a lot of people that I've met here in town that grew up here that went yeah. to high school, like, you know, Tony Russo and yeah. Tory Powers. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot, a lot of people that have uh, chosen to stay. There's people that have gone away to college and they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it is hard, but it, but there are things that we can do to, to track them. Right? Yeah. All of my friends from church, like all the people that are around my age that I'm, you know, in, in our little group mm-hmm. uh, that have young families, that they all have lived in Poway their entire lives. Wow. Um, went to at school here locally, whether it be Bible college or regular college, and then got jobs here and all still live here. It, it's just, it's, uh, I don't want to go back to the parenting thing. Mm-hmm. But it does go back to that, yeah, right? It does. Work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, school, mm-hmm. and drive to, to succeed at a career. With, mm-hmm. Without those things, you're, you're not going to be able to afford a house in Poway, much less California. Right. Right? So it's, again, back to parenting, back to the school district, you know, and, and then the work ethic. I think Poway overall gives the essence of a great work ethic for everybody that lives in Poway. You know, it's a hardworking community. We, we volunteer in large numbers, um, we want to serve in large numbers. You, you even see it by the the large number of candidates for public office here. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, Poway can be fun, and we can do the things to to make Poway great for the kids living here now, and eventually when they become you know adults and want to raise families here, they just have to be able to um, have the means to come back. Right. You know, and again, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a problem w- with housing prices because I, I bought my house in 2011 at the bottom of the market. Mm-hmm. There are instances where Poway is much more affordable than other times. And 2011 was a fantastic time for affordability. No doubt. You just have to be able to take advantage of it when it, when the, you know, strike when the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm rambling a little bit, but, I, you know, Poway is... It's everything for everybody that wants to live here. I really think it is. I, you know, bottom line, I, I don't think it's it's not burdensome to live here. You know, I, I don't live paycheck to paycheck because I live here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't make a great deal of money. I, you know, my company pays me well. You know, uh, but if you want to live here, you can live here, mm-hmm. and that and that's the thing. Um, you know, some of our older friends have moved to Texas or. Arizona or whatever for tax breaks, and I understand that, right? If you're on a limited income and a, and a fixed income, those those tax breaks are much better for you. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I'll ever do that because Poway is fantastic. You know, I I want to live here. I don't want the heat of Texas. You know, I don't want the heat <laughs> yeah. of Arizona. The grass isn't always green. I don't is want it? snow. No. Yeah. I grew up in that stuff, and I don't ever want. If I never saw snow again, I'd be fine. <laughs> you know. Right. But, you know, at the other end of that, I don't go to the ocean that much either. You know, we go a couple times a month. Yeah. Because it's fun. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's enjoyable. But I don't have to have the ocean, but that's why I live in Poway. Right. I don't have to deal with tourists. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and zonies. Yeah. And yeah. all that yeah, beach traffic and everything yeah. else. But you can go visit when you want to. Yeah. So the people that want to live in Poway, Poway really is everything to everybody. Yeah. Not everybody wants to live in Poway. No, really? I mean, no, they don't. No, they they don't. like PB. They like North Park. They like downtown. They, I don't know if anybody like Oceanside. <laughs> Oceanside's coming back. You know, the, it the, is. The, it is. Especially, um, you know, near the water. You know, yeah. the, the beachfronts have huge revitalization going because on. Because of the development there. Right. People 
you know, that's a scary word to a lot of people. It really is. Oh, yeah, it is. Because well, it's change. Oh, my gosh. It's a bad word. Um, and, you know, it might as well be a four-letter word. Um, but it's it's really not that bad. You know, we talk about the the Poway Road corridor specific plan. You know, I think the density uh, in that plan is not great. Mm-hmm. I, I think the offsets from the sidewalk are not great. Um, but again, that thing is just a plan. It's not a, it's not a rule. It's a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I, I want to be a part of making the right decisions for developments according to that plan. I don't. I'm not for or against that plan because it is just a guide. Mm-hmm. It's like the lines on the road. You don't always have to drive within the lines on the road. If there's something in your way, you can get around. That's right. That and drive over a line. Mm-hmm. Those those lines are the rule, but again, they're still just a guide for safety. And I think this. Poway Road specific corridor plan as a guide for safety mm-hmm. to make sure we don't get off track too much. Um, I I do have a problem with the density of it. I do have a problem with the offsets of the sidewalks. Uh, the parking, you know, is is another issue. I don't like driving in Little Italy trying to find a spot to park. Right. Because it's awful. Yeah. And I don't want that to be Poway. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I live 200 steps off Poway Road. If people can't find parking at those new developments, they're going to park on my street. So you're, roughly speaking, kind of like by Terrascan and Poway Road, kind yeah, of I'm north one, of that? I'm one road east of Terrascan on Nakoni Drive. Okay. So kind of, is that sort of behind, like there's a car wash, right? Yeah, so is I'm behind a, there. Right behind that area. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically behind the... Uh, the Poway Sushi Lounge in that in that shopping center. Okay, so that's a little further west than yeah. the car wash. Yeah. Okay, now I got a sense of that. Yeah. So if you take Terrascan and turn right. Yeah. On Juanista. Yeah. And then the very next left on the Coney is where I live. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. I've driven back there. It's a nice yeah. community. Yeah. It's it. You know, it's not one of the original communities in Poway, but mm-hmm. it, you know, I think my house was built in '60. Okay. You know, it's still pretty old. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it's perfect for my wife, my son, and I. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I tell you know people back home in Kentucky that I paid, you know, four hundred thousand dollars for a fourteen hundred square foot house, and they're they're <laughs> amazed. It's like, why would you do that? Because it's worth seven hundred grand now. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, that's why I did it. Yeah. You know. Those numbers are probably mind blowing to your friends in Kentucky. Yeah. It. You know, in Kentucky, for what you could buy my house for now is you could buy, I don't know, four thousand square foot house with two hundred acres. And still have a lot of cash left over, probably. probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. If you buy yeah. in the right area, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like my brother bought a bunch of land, you know, uh, where he lives uh, in southern Kentucky, down on the, near the Tennessee border for like 50 bucks an acre. Wow. But it's not usable. It's, you know, uh, up and down hills and creeks running through it. And it's, you know, semi, it's, mount, it's not mountainous, but it's just, it's like. You can't develop on it. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can basically hunt on it, and that's about it. Right? Yeah, that's about it. Wow. Yeah, it's not worth much else. You can't really. You couldn't even really farm his land. It's you know, it's gorges and hollers, what we call back home, and you know where a creek runs through the bottom of it. And it's yeah, it's just Kentucky. It's just South Central Kentucky where we grew up. It it's hard to describe. It's hilly. It's uh, look. 
lowlands and the creek areas and you know we have some high hills here and there but it's just that's just where i grew up in kentucky it's it's just a, a different kind of place yeah that i've never been to kentucky that's one of the few states i haven't visited um, a friend of mine grew up in Cincinnati, and he would you know, go across, I guess that's the Ohio River, right, mm-hmm. into Kentucky. And he was telling me how there were areas where his friends had property, but they had to go through just tremendous amounts of, I think he described them as thickets. You know, It was just like this really dense kind of trees and shrubs. Mm-hmm. And, and then he eventually got out to an open area where his friend's home used to be. Yeah. Um, but the point, I guess, is what I heard from that is that it's it's very rural in some parts. It, it still is. Mm-hmm. It still is in the majority of the state, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the cities are the cities, and they don't really um, burst out of those seams very much. Uh, there's like, I want to say, a million and a half people in Kentucky total. Oh, wow. You know, we have how many here in San Diego County alone? Three? Three million, yeah. yeah. So and, there's, and growing. There's twice as many people here in San Diego as there are that entire state. So how, how do you say the name and say, is it Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. So that's, you, yeah. you got to get and, used to that one. And my accent is different, right? So when I talk to people back home, it comes out and I say lass and brat and nass and yeah. ass. And, you know, I talk like that occasionally and talk to people. It's more comfortable and, you know, <laughs> what have you. Yeah. But in the Marine Corps, if you're from the South and you're, you're like me, people just think of you a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just, you know, you're, you're either dumb or racist, and I didn't want to be either categorized yeah. as either one of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I speak the way I speak on purpose. You know, I, I have an accent, mm-hmm. and I choose to, to change it day to day. Um, depending, you know, if I, if I go home, I speak like that. I yeah, speak well, with you a, probably with settle a, back more, into it, Yeah, right? with a more Southern accent. Yeah. If I'm in, you know, rural Northern California, up in the middle of nowhere, I talk a little bit more loose, you know, like a little, little bit different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, not that I'm a chameleon or anything. It's just, uh, that's a part of, part of my intelligence that helps me communicate and relate to people a little bit yeah. better. I, I don't, I would certainly never want to alienate anybody by the way I, uh, vocalize words or, mm-hmm. you know, my annotation or inflection, right? And certain people in certain areas are offended by the way people say words, honestly. Yeah, they are. Right? Yeah. Like, you, somebody from Boston would not have a good time in Kentucky. They just, <laughs> it just would not work out. Right? They wouldn't understand the Kentucky people yeah. and the Kentucky people wouldn't understand them and it'd just be like, you can get on down the road. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, it's a it's an interesting situation. Words mean a lot to some people. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, it's just not that serious to me. So I change when I need to change. Well, a lot of times, you know, that's about good relationship building skills because you can sort of reflect the way the your person you're speaking with, yeah. you know, so that you get a kind of a rhythm and and a familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's smart. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why I'm good at my job. But you know, I I have seven states I cover. I cover Mad- Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, California, Alaska, and Hawaii. Wow. You know, it's all those states are completely different. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon and Washington are similar, mm-hmm. but the coast is vastly different than inland. Right. You know, you get the most liberal parts of the country to the most conservative parts on the West Coast. I wouldn't say they're as conservative as other parts of the country, mm-hmm. you know, like. Texas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but they're as conservative as you can get in eastern, you know, Washington and Oregon. 
right. on Com- the West Coast. Compared to the West yeah. Coast, yeah, as a whole. And the people in Alaska mm-hmm. are completely different than anywhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Alaskans are just their own thing. And Hawaiians have their own time. Yeah. The way they show up to things, the mm-hmm. way they do business. Mm-hmm. I would say, without being on time, Hawaiians are very, they do like to do business like Japanese people. They like to eat. Mm. They like to eat around business. Yeah. And, and Japanese people, you really can't conduct business unless unless you have a meal with people. Right. So, and then that's the trust building exercise. And, and the Japanese like to bring a gift as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, so it's it's interesting how different cultures are like that, mm-hmm. even in America, right? Mm-hmm. Each of the different states is its own culture and they conduct business differently. Yeah. You know, in Kentucky, we just make barbecue a little bit differently than everybody else. And yeah. We make the best whiskey in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we make right. great baseball bats too. Oh, that's right, the sluggers, yeah. the Louisville sluggers, and the best horses from come from Kentucky. All right, Churchill Downs. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's funny. Like I always like growing up in Indiana, Kentucky. You're always around the the, the Kentucky Derby, and you mm-hmm. always hear of it and and whatnot. I always thought that all the horses were raised around Churchill Downs, and you know, all the farms and stuff are near there. Yeah, well, they, they travel. But they're not near there yeah. at all. No. They're in Lexington. Like oh. The major horse farms oh. are in Lexington, you know, on the eastern part of the state. Oh, I didn't know that. A, a good bit of ways away, mm-hmm. you know. And California horses have won the Kentucky Derby. And horses from New York have won the Kentucky Derby, you know. Yeah. They're, they're all over the place. But the majority of the great Kentucky horses don't come from Louisville. They come from Lexington. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, I, I always thought it was Louisville. I'm like, yeah, it's at the racetrack. Right. Horses are there. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Like, the, where the racetrack is on, on the uh, the I-65, it's just off there. Coming down from Indiana, you, you basically go across the Ohio River and across the, the, the big bridge. And, you know, just a few minutes later, you see Churchill Downs. And you're like, that place is beautiful. For, like, yeah. first off, when you see it, it's just yeah. like, you have all these very urban neighborhoods and they just have this racetrack this beautiful very uh, European very uh, just ornate architecture yeah it's striking when it's on TV yeah Yeah. and then it's right there urban neighborhood and then racetrack really and it's like I had no idea yeah it's it's crazy and you think of Kentucky as being a very rural state and it is but, you know, the biggest event we have there is in a city. And it's a race, it's a horse racing, of all things, in the middle of, I wouldn't call it downtown Louisville, but it's, it's real close, uh, five minutes. So maybe Louisville is also the city in the country. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. it's a city, and it's surrounded by the country, right? Very much surrounded by, yeah. It's yeah. A, Louisville's really a different—it's its, its own animal. Mm-hmm. It's not— it's just different. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in in central Indiana and south central Kentucky, uh, Louisville's even different than Indianapolis. It's it's a rougher neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's that's where Muhammad Ali is from, right? Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. little bit more strained. Yeah, um, it's it's just different. Yeah, it, it's a wonderful city. Mm-hmm. I'll never say anything bad about it. It's just different. Right. It's very different. Right. It, I can't even, it's like, I, I can't even describe it. It's It's like Stockton, kind of. Interesting. It's rough like Stockton. Yeah. 
um, it's beautiful like Hollywood and it's eclecticness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just different, man. It's yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like Nashville. People, you know, because it's in the same general area. Lexington is. I when I was growing up, I thought Lexington was made of gold. Everything there is so fancy and just ornate and marble and, mm. and everything. It, it's way different than Indianapolis because Indianapolis is a very car, macho, manly yeah. uh, stuff. Nashville is very uh, eccentric in the, the musicality of the people that live mm-hmm. there, the mm-hmm. creativeness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like Memphis than any of the other close things, but it doesn't have the rhythm that Memphis has. Mm-hmm. Memphis has just this natural beat coming from it. You know, from mm. the blues and from the food and uh-huh. from the people that live there, it's just this different thing. Louisville's just a different animal. Like it, it's a convention city. There's a lot of national conventions in Louisville all the mm-hmm. time because it's central. Yeah, um, it, just different, man. I don't, I don't know how to describe it really. Wow, it's just this different thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like it's not one city; it's eight different cities, and it changes, and the people are just different, and it's just, it's, it, I, it's just cool. It's a cool place, you know. All these different neighborhoods—they're they're old and new, and you know, I wouldn't say ghetto, but yeah, ghetto, <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know, right, and not ghetto, and yeah. you know, you get eight, ten blocks from Churchill Downs, you have what people would call slums, you know, mm-hmm. where Muhammad Ali's from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just that kind of working man mentality, and and want to to elevate themselves is what Louisville is really I, I guess that's the way to describe it um, and they're doing that right um, are you a basketball fan yes and no I, I grew up in the two biggest basketball states in yeah. the country yeah I'm terrible at it <laughs> I'm terrible at it uh, I could play football pretty well in high school mm-hmm. I, uh, I was a really good wrestler mm-hmm. and I, I probably is the best at baseball uh, mm-hmm. of all of them. I actually uh, got drafted by a major league team. Really? At high school, yeah. Good for you. Uh, never did anything with it. And then got a couple scholarship offers here and there, but ended up joining the Marine Corps instead, you know. Like Whatever said, works for you, man. I, I was kind of done with it, you know. Yeah. It was too much like a job, and I just— Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's I was very... like five foot seven, 140 pounds coming out of high school, and it's mm-hmm. like uh, nothing's ever going to happen with— with that, so let's see what else is going on. My mm-hmm. my buddy Bob joined the Marine Corps, and he talked me into it. And fourteen <laughs> days after nine eleven, I'm at Paris Island, scared Man. out of my mind. Wow, yeah. that was a crazy time. Yeah, I, I remember what you know. I was at a, a neighbor's house helping them build a fence for their dairy farm. The morning it happened, and we're listening to the radio, and everything stops, goes dead for a few minutes. Yeah. And they come back on and said the towers were attacked. Yeah. And, you know, we just fin- we just stopped. We just kind of buttoned up what we were doing and just stopped and went home and just kind of, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, sulked the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was awful, awful what happened. Everyone has their own story. You know, it's like yeah. for our parents' age, it's like, where were you when JFK was shot? Mm-hmm. You know, for us, it's 9-11. My wife and I have an interesting story because we were vacationing in Costa Rica. Okay. And we were at the airport ready to come home when it happened. 
I mean, our bags. That didn't happen. No, our bags were on the airplane, and then suddenly everything was canceled, and so we were, you know, stuck in Costa Rica for an extra week. Yeah. And then we eventually got uh, flew into Mexico City, and then took Aero Mexico flights. Like we stopped like four or five times between Mexico City and Tijuana, and then we were able to walk across the border. Yeah. That's how we got home. Yeah. We're crazy. Awful. Yeah. So everyone's got a story, you know. Yeah. I hope we, this country never gets attacked like that again. Like I, I pray about that. It's one of the one of the things that I do pray about nationally, right? Like mm-hmm. Seeing blood on American soil like that, not not specifically <sighs> physically, but just seeing that happen here is awful. And you know, seeing that in any country is awful. Mm-hmm. War is not a good thing. No, it's, it's not. It's not a. Uh, it shouldn't be an economic factor. It shouldn't be good for business. It shouldn't be, you know, I don't think it should be conducted by drones. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those are good for our defense and for intelligence gathering. But, yeah. But at the same time, they take the pain out of it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the pain's there to make us not do it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's too easy to target American citizens with drone strikes without trial. It's, it's just too easy and... Nothing should be like that. No. Um, That's, that violates a lot of the principles of what our nation was founded upon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, I, I have a lot of different issues nationally with leadership, you know, presidents and whatnot, but I'll never forgive President uh, Obama for targeting American citizens without trial. Yeah. That just, that's, you can't come back from that. Right. Well, I mean, it's in, it's in the Bill of Rights, you know, that we, we everyone is deserves due process, mm-hmm. you know, a trial before your peers, right? A jury of your peers. Um, and um, yeah, but that, you know, that's Gitmo and, and, and a lot of things that's where people things. are prevented from habeas corpus rights. It's a terrible issue. Yeah. Um, if we would just go back again, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, we go back to that and things are good. Yeah. Um, wow. Again, drug this conversation down a, a dark path, but yeah, it's, it's okay. This is good stuff. We, we, from darkness comes light all the time. Mm-hmm. You know that's the great part about it, uh, and a part of being an American. You know we we have the spirit to always come back from no matter what we did from nine eleven. You know, we did from Pearl Harbor. We did from you know all kinds of things that happened in the United States. The the Marine barracks bombing in 1982 in Lebanon, you know, mm. all kinds of things. Mm. We'll never stop being us. And, you know, people from Poway will never stop being them. You can, if you're downtown, if you're anywhere in San Diego County, you can almost tell people from Poway like you can Marines out in, you know, out in public. It's just, <laughs> right. we conduct ourselves, I would say, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more graciously. Yeah. We're a little bit more polite than everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, just... It's just that's just Poway. We're always going to be the city in the country, development or not. Just mm-hmm. just way we are. So let's talk about it, just a couple of Poway issues. You know, like yeah. a lot of the candidates have come here. We've kind of touched on a there's a there's a handful of things I've always asked them about. We talked a little bit about Poway Road corridor, mm-hmm. and and it sounds like you're generally supportive of the plan, but just concerned about some of the density. Yeah. Um, again, the plan is just. Exactly, just a plan. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. Um, it sets forth rules, mm-hmm. like there's specific rules in it. Um, it's just a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a. 
it's not a fast and set plan. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not the Bible. It's not. Yeah. Set in stone. Um, just a plan. Uh, the city council can choose to to agree to a development or not. And um, I do. I would like to revisit the density allowed in the plan. I, I would re- like to re- revisit the the parking allocations in the plan. Um, the outpost specifically has an entrance and one entrance and exit for 329 underground parking spots. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think that's a lot. Yeah. I think that's going to be a heavy burden on that yeah. one entrance and one exit. Yeah. Um, and it's together. It's not in here and out here. It's, yeah. Um, one entrance slash exit for 329 parking spots. Wow. Um, that's, I don't think that's a great planned mm-hmm. parking spot space mm-hmm. um, just thoughtful things like that I, I I keep bringing up thoughtful in the development idea here in Poway um, you just we have to step back and think about things the little details as much as the overall development of Poway Road the little details matter and that's where we're going to run into the issues the specific details of offsetting from the sidewalk right, right now they can build a four-story building on top of the sidewalk, right next to the sidewalk. They can build a four-story building. Like it's like New York City, right? Yeah. Well, not not <laughs> that, not quite that much. But, yeah, you know, but, but yeah, the buildings go right yeah. to the sidewalk. I guess yeah. is my point. They go and higher than four stories, but and that's yeah. not the aesthetic that I think Poway deserves. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not going to look like Poway. I, the design, it may end up looking different in the end of the outpost, but. You know, the the new medical facility on Poway Road next to the Salvation Army. I, yeah. I feel like that looks like Poway. Yeah. I feel like the library. Excuse me. Sorry. I feel like the library looks like Poway. Right. Why couldn't we get a blend of that, arch- a blend of that architecture? Um, I think it fully is within the city council's rights to uh, tell developers that these structures, these developments need to look like Poway. Right. And. Mm-hmm. Whether that exists today or not, I don't think so. I don't think the specific plan calls out for what things are to look like. I think that should be added. I think that um, the development services department in Poway should have that, you know, as a burden on their work schedule. Um, All those people are already busy. If we have to add people, that's fine. But they need to enforce the look of Poway. And I, you know, we have all these sign regulations of Poway. People just can't put up signs willy nilly and whatnot. I think that's a part of who we are as, as an identity. Um, there's another part to doing business in Poway and it's not the operations department. It's not easy to get along with all the time and getting construction permits is not easy and Mm -hmm. business permits, whatnot. I, you know, that could be improved, but back to Poway road, it's, you know, I think it, it really is the burden of the council and the city staff to make sure all the developments are thoughtful and right. really mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. and fit and are usable like the people of Poway need them. Right. Not not what the developers need. Uh, you know, I keep hearing, you know, developers don't want to build in Poway if, if, you know, we don't let them build density in or this, that, and the other. So to me, on a simple level, that means the people that say that if we don't allow them a certain density, they think our land's worth nothing. Really? Like very simply and econ- and you know, break it down economically. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if I don't let you as a developer, you, let's say you already own this land mm-hmm. or you're going to buy this land for, you know, market value. 
if I don't let you build houses on it, and and in the plan it's either twenty five or thirty five. John Ryan will tell you much easier than than I can, <laughs> right? Because uh, he just knows that because it's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, if I don't let you build a specific density, you don't think the land is worth building on? I, I don't I don't see that. I think all of our land is very valuable. It is, yeah. You know? So the the idea that density has to be required to build on to revitalize I don't think is a good argument I think it's a I think it's a, a false argument I think it's a uh, a misnomer from patently I think it's wrong well the developers are of course going to try to squeeze every drop out of the turnip of right and so they're going to try to have a maximum density and uh, if the city for whatever reason chose to you know limit density at a certain threshold, well, maybe some developers would not want to participate, but there's always going to be others. And that's and that's and that's the hand of economics. Yes, it right? is. Yes, that's, it is. That's the invisible hand principle of economics. Yes, it is. If you don't use your dollars here, they will be used elsewhere. That's right. But that doesn't mean somebody else's dollars won't be used here. Right. I don't want to let people squeeze every penny out of Poway. That's not the Poway way. Right. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You know, I've lived here a number of years already, and. Just it doesn't feel like Poway, you know. Like it's not a. This isn't somewhere where you. I want to say this the best way. I, I don't want people, business people, to come into Poway and rape and pillage the people of Poway just for the city's sake of tax revenue. Yeah, I hear you. I understand that. Right. I. That's that's just the, the, the basic way of, of the way I think of, of saying that. And I, if I can't articulate that differently I'm sorry but I I won't allow that right Mm -hmm. we can limit developers and we can limit the density and we can still revitalize Poway Road and create a a bigger tax base Mm -hmm. there's just and again it comes back to thoughtfulness it's it's really all it is right it's not and a little bit of work right it does come back to thoughtfulness and work we have to find those developers that are willing to come to Poway and I I don't think it's going to be that hard no, there's no shortage of developers no. that are looking to build. No, especially but, right now with the economy the way it is. And, and especially in San Diego County where there's such a demand for more housing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in a lot of parts of the county, the, the developers are restricted from building for various reasons, mm-hmm. regulation, zoning, whatever. Um, and if there's an opportunity to bid, uh, to build, they will bid. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's... It's a little bit of work to find the people. Mm-hmm. It's a networking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, our economic development team in Poway needs to work a little harder doing that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, developmental services maybe needs to little bit, work a little bit harder doing that, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's not – for a long-term vision of Poway, that's what we need. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I think it's very short-sighted to think that we need to pack 25 or 35 houses per acre on the Poway Road. I think it's very short-sighted. Mm-hmm. I think we might we might benefit from the tax you know tax base increase immediately, um, and eventually overall, you know, over term benefit from it. But I think the burdens associated with that kind of density are, are not worth the revenue. You know, it's it's it, it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways, right? So you think about it from us, you know, city in the country, trying to maintain that sort of character in the city. You know, high density living doesn't typically match that, right? Correct. Um, and and by the way, there's another water Got down it. there if you like it. So, um, 
and at the same time, um, uh, you know, there is such a shortage of housing, you know, sure. locally, regionally, nationally, and that shortage of housing, that restriction of development, this is economics, mm -hmm. you know, has kept, has made the prices high, made rents and, yeah. and home prices high. So you think, well, if we build more, can that relieve some of the pressure, um, you know, to make it more affordable so children of people in Poway can move back to Poway? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of angles to this. Um, yeah. And what and what and what's the right thing to do? You know, that's Correct. the question. But there, there are lots of angles, but at the same time, it creates... Uh, burdens on Poway. Oh, yeah. So the infrastructure burden is a major one. You know, we may get more money, but we might have to spend that, that same money that we get on improving Poway Road constantly, not just, you know, the, the current schedule, the, the current tempo it has. Because um, more sewer, more water, more yeah, electrical, more cable, whatever. More right? everything, yeah. right? So you can't, you can't put the horse, you know, behind the cart. You know, it's got to be in front of the cart. It has to lead the way. And the city council should be the horse making the thoughtful decisions, not just, you know, revenue driven. Yeah. It should be, there should be context on everything that they decide for Poway Road. Um, the outpost is a good start. Mm -hmm. um, don't like the parking situation. Don't I don't like the design of the structure. Mm -hmm. But that, again, it's relative. It's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to look like... You know, the outpost is today. The next structure is completely different tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The next structure is completely different than that. It's going to be disjointed and not feel the same. And it's well, that's, that's what we have now. It's going to be the exact same thing we have now, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. new. Yeah. And that's not... Mm -hmm. That's not really good either. That's not good planning. That's not that's not good management. Well, I think you know they've they've talked about that where I think some developers have tried to you know build on the the bowling alley property, mm -hmm. and they presented their designs and plans and and those were rejected, mm -hmm. right? So I think the city council is trying. The question is is to what degree are they going to kind of build the boundaries? Right? Yeah. So the, those boundaries should be bit, built into that specific plan, so the developers can already look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's what I got to do. Yeah. So that part of the approval process is just not a waste of time and money yeah there's another efficiency right the city staff doesn't have to look at their design because they already see it it mm -hmm. adheres to the plan and to the code in the plan and the rules in the plan well, it's kind of like an rfp right yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. if you're not adhering to the rfp requirements you're not even considered mm -hmm. you don't waste somebody's time mm -hmm. it, it it's harsh Right, it's a very RF, responding to RFPs is cold. Yeah, it's a very not nice situation. Mm -hmm. But there's no emotions in it. There's no, there's no gray area. Right, you either adhere to the RF requirements of the RFP or you don't. Mm -hmm. You're either considered or not. Mm -hmm. I don't think the development should be that way, but it makes things easier. But again, the development team, the economic team, and the city council and the staff all have to work together on that and find the developers that are willing to build to our, you know, specific ideas of what Poway looks like and the, the aesthetic that we want. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, it's, it's reasonable. I think for a lot of people that are, you know, you think about what city planning is and urban or I guess in our case, suburban development mm -hmm. planning is, that's what it's about, right? It's kind of 
And, and I think a lot of this comes down to you know, our city council candidates kind of just sharing what their vision is, right? Because mm-hmm. you guys are the ones that are going to kind of paint that picture of what your vision of the city is. And then it's up to voters to, you know, approve this vision or that vision. Yeah. And, and then that then manifests itself in that urban plan. I, I really like what La Mesa has done with their downtown area. Have you been to like downtown La Mesa, like where the there's a, uh, a farmer's table restaurant down there? in like Old Town La Mesa. No, um, I haven't. They've taken yeah. what they have. Mm-hmm. They've improved upon it. Like they've revitalized the buildings. Mm-hmm. They've attracted new businesses, um, specifically that one restaurant that I, I like. Um, it's kind of a farm-to-table thing, kind of a, some people might call it kitschier, like hipster-esque or whatnot. But <laughs> right. it, it's, they've taken new and old Kind of like even Escondido, where the car show is on. Oh yeah, on Grant is yeah. it Grant? Yeah, it's Grant. Yeah, yeah. They, they've taken what's there already, added some new stuff, built some stuff in there, and just revitalized the entire area. Yeah, I, I like that. There's a lot of great places to go yeah. on Grant. I, I don't. Poway could be like that if if we want to go down that road, mm-hmm. but I think we're a little bit more ranch style building than the three four foot or three or four you know story buildings that are on grand right I, I think we're a little bit I think we need a little bit more offset properties with parking in the property itself on the ground level away from the road mm-hmm. we need to open it up like that that would be my it would be grand but like in Escondido but more open right on top of the road it would be offset a little bit farther from it right that that would be my grandiose idea of what the development along Poway Road would be, you know, like the bowling alley is set back from Poway Road. And mm-hmm. if, if we were to develop that area with a new bowling alley included in the plan for that area, if it was a two-story building at that, you know, level in Poway, it's down the hill. It's down from the road a little bit. So a three-story building there might not be a bad idea to include a bowling alley or some other retail Yeah, because space. of the, the, the topography. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, again... Just a little bit of thoughtfulness, a little bit of planning, a little mm-hmm. bit of working with people and, and attracting the right spaces. I you know, the I I think the Urge Gastro Pub group, the guys that do that are fantastic. I think they attract people from far far away from where their business is. Mm-hmm. Where they're located in Rancho Bernardo is not a great place to be. No. But people go there because they have good food and good beer. Yeah, they do. They mm-hmm. have a great selection of, of food and beer. They have so, Racer 5 there, which is like my favorite. It, it, yeah. <laughs> the Bear Republic's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but like if the company pub in Poway failed because they didn't have good food. Mm-hmm. If people make good food, people will travel for it. No, no question. Especially in San Diego. Well, you're going to La Mesa. Yeah, I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and my wife's birthday is next week, and we're going to go to a, an Italian restaurant. Um, I can't think of it's downtown, but it's called Maestoso. It's a fairly newer Italian restaurant. I don't eat in Poway because there's not really good food in Poway. Again, there's not the if, – if you look at it from a real estate perspective, like John, John Ryan would look at it, the – People that build restaurants for a living would never choose Poway because we don't have correct densities for it. Mm. That goes against yeah. what I'm saying right, for right, the Poway right. Road specific yeah. plan. But I think that's irrelevant at the same time. I think that that's a good data data metric for people that build restaurants, and I think it's a good excuse for them not to build certain places. The antithesis of that is if you make fantastic food, no matter where it's at, People are going to travel to it. 
They will. They will. And, you know, it's like the baseball story. If you build it, they will come. And, and <laughs> yes, I, I, I believe in that. I believe in people. Yeah. I believe in, like I said earlier, makers coming back and making the United States a great thing. That makers are also a part of the food industry and like the farm to table movement in, um, in the food industry is fantastic right now. And what, what better place to be a part of than the city and the country, right? We have a lot of country land. I don't necessarily think we have the, the farming that Oceanside has or yeah. some of the areas yeah. in Fallbrook or yeah. whatnot, but you know, we're close to those areas and they can build those kind of restaurants in Poway. They can, you know, yeah. We're getting a Chick-fil-A instead. <laughs> right. Right. Really? Right. We need another Chick-fil-A? You know, I'll tell you this. It, I hear your point, but there is a whole separate group of people there that are, are that love so it. happy that and Chick-fil-A I'm not, is coming. I'm not, not one of those people. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like me some Chick-fil-A. Look yeah. at me. I like food. <laughs> Especially fried chicken. Yeah. But uh, it's like we, need, we don't need another Mexican restaurant either. Yeah. I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I get it. It's the, the drive-through in that part of town is fantastic. I think um, I was talking to somebody the other night that w- was really excited about having another drive-through on you know a, a little bit further away from the traffic on Poway Road. Right. You know, it's not that much farther away from Taco Bell or anything, but it does add another option for people on the go. Yeah. It does add a different environment. Um, I like the I like the food. Yeah. You know. But I don't believe in the nanny state. I don't think we should dictate to what yeah. you know, people eat by not including certain restaurants or anything. Uh, I'm not going to say that you know Chick Fil A shouldn't be included in Poway because people don't need to eat fried chicken or saturated fats or whatever else. That's mm-hmm. not. I don't. I don't believe in that. The government shouldn't be in the business of telling people what to do and how they live their lives. But I agree. Um, I think we could have been a little bit more creative in that space. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think so, too. <laughs> creative is a great word. We could have been far more creative. You know, this is interesting. If you talk about, um, you know, they have this taste of Poway. I don't know if they still do that, where they, they do. All, the restaurants get together and they try to have some promotions around it. Uh, you, there's one restaurant that my wife and I went to about a month ago that we had never been to, and we'd walk past it all the time. It's called La Trattoria, and it, I think that's the name of it. It's like in the Target Center, like mm-hmm. near the Cold Stone Creamery. Yeah. That was really good. It is good. Yeah. I, I, I like that place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised by that. And I walked by it a million times. My, my business mailbox is right there at the Postal Annex. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to really like to go to Dominic's. Did you ever go there? Yes. I had a bad experience there. So I don't you did? Yeah. I, don't, I, uh, had, I, I had a frozen, rancid piece of lasagna there. Really? I went there once and never went back. Oh, man. We've always had great experiences there. You know, I... I Everybody's always said that. Uh huh. I just had that one experience with Aaron. Like, to me, there's really no coming back from that. That's oh, your, yeah. That's yeah. your one job. Yeah. Yeah. Is to make a, a meal for somebody that's paying for it. Yeah. And if you fail at that job, I don't really yeah. patronize your business again. Yeah. No, that makes there, sense. There was another rest- Italian restaurant that I never got a chance to go to across the street in the 24, is it LA Fitness or 24 Hour Fitness? Uh, behind Chick, uh, KFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another Italian restaurant over there that I never had a chance to go to that people said was awesome. Yeah, there was. A, we went there once. They they would serve like lunches. They were really good yeah. and and like early dinners. It was a yeah, it was Italian. Yeah, and Is then Mama it, Teresa next to Five Guys before they went out of business was amazing. Really, I, she made a fantastic piece of lasagna. Oh wow! It just you know, I don't think 
their service might have suffered because Alex, the you know husband of the mm-hmm. the chef that owned the business, they he, he they're from Italy. Oh, they don't speak fluent English, and some people didn't like that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you uh, know? I can understand and, that. And, and their European way of doing business and serving people is a little bit different. You know, they think that you can wait for meals. People in the United States are very impatient. They are. The people that loved Mama Teresa would still love it. Well, in my opinion, if I go to a restaurant and the people are Italian and struggling to speak English, then I know that's legit Italian. Yeah, and her food was so good. You know, and it's it's you just you can observe by the people that work there and the people that are that are eating there. Yeah, you can tell if it's a good place or not. Mm-hmm. But then, then then there's the other people that that might see that same thing and think, I don't want to be. I, why are you here? Like, yeah, you should be speaking perfect English to me. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, you're not that important. Yeah. You know, the yeah. self-importance of some people is kind of outrageous to me, but uh, just, again, I don't, I don't take myself that seriously. So <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I, there's a time and a place for everything. There and is. Dictating your own self-importance to other people is just outrageous to me. It's just, nobody should behave like that. Let's change topics a little bit. Yep. So let's talk about, we, we touched on it just very briefly when you walked in is uh, the recent Poway Chieftain in the headline yeah. there. And I think your name was mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So the, 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 the Chieftain article stems from the meeting this last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really stems from the meeting on uh, September 18th. We're in October, right? Yeah. Yeah. Today's uh, the 5th, I think. Yeah. yeah so af- after the meeting on September 18th, and I'll tell you the whole story and – That'll be kind of where I want to keep it. But okay, after the meeting on September 18th, you know, it wasn't a great meeting. I, I didn't like the mayor's response to public oral. And it just, for, for a person in that position to call out people um, for getting votes or not getting votes for, you know, his reasons for choosing people or not choosing people for an appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not been critical of that that. Uh, process. I, I've been critical of the people that voted on that process for uh, varying reasons and and integrity reasons specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, not, and not even the mayors, just you know, Mr. Grusha specifically. But anyways, after the meeting, uh, I live in the neighborhood. I live, like I said, across the Poway Road and, and Heritage Hills and literally just a block away from Poway Road. So I, I walked over there that day for the meeting. And I, I proceeded to walk home after the meeting, and then um, I, I'm, I'm just not in the mood to go in the house, right? When, when, uh, when I'm not in a good mood, I don't want to be around my wife. Not that I don't yeah. want to be with her, or be yeah. around her, or my son. I just don't want to put that. I don't want to put that burden on them. Yeah, I understand. So I, 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 I walk out towards, uh, from the meeting, out towards the brigantine, and I, and I get back to, um, Terrascan. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm going to take another lap, see how I feel. So I walk, walk back towards the, the community park, back towards the, the sheriff's department, and come back around and just do another full lap of that yeah. circle. Yeah. Back towards the Brigantine uh, mm-hmm. along, I don't even know, know the name of that road um, that the city hall's on. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure myself. But anyways, yeah, it's the I same know, road that the, the community center's on, yeah, the fire yeah, department, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, all that. Um so I'm back through there walking again, and uh, when I get to the corner, um, 
where you could either go across the street to the movie theater mm-hmm. or turn left to go back towards mainstream or yeah. whatever. I, I hear some people talking. And the, 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 the people that I heard talking were the mayor, uh, Barry Leonard, and Dave Grush. Mm-hmm. And from my reading of the Brown Act, uh, that's a violation to me. Hmm. Uh, just in my interpretation, right? right. I, I may not have went to the city's orientation right. for them to tell me what to believe about the Brown Act for the, the people that work for the city council. The, the city attorney works for the city council, right? He's not my attorney. So he, he for me to ask him a question um, on interpretation of a private meeting is, is kind of, he works for the guys that I thought were breaking yeah, the yeah, law. Yeah. So why would I ask him? The, like, that's, that's like if I were suing you, John, and I ask your attorney what he thinks about my case. <laughs> why would I do that? Right, right, Am right. Am I a dumbass? Yeah, yeah. I understand. I, I'm not. No, you're not. Right? No. So I, I walked up to them and introduced myself because I'd I'd never met Barry and the mayor before, personally. Like, yeah. I, I've seen them in passing. Yeah. Um, I tried to hand – I gave them all water during the parade because instead of walking in the parade this year, I handed out water. And when they came by, I gave them all a bottle of water. Ah, good for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, yeah. You know, I could have spent the money to be in the parade and waved and look like, you know, this. <laughs> I, I just chose to spend that money on water and give it away for free instead. Nice. Just, it was hot that day. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, and I didn't really tell people that I was doing it for any specific reason. It's just, again, I just like to help people. Yeah. And if people are enjoying the the parade and they need a, gla- a a bottle of water it was all cold and stuff and you know if if that made their day a little bit better i i'm i'm thankful for that but anyways i walk up to them and i and i introduce myself and dave's uh joking and you know he's like isn't it past curfew for be for for city council candidates i'm like dave i'm 35 man <laughs> like <laughs> I don't have a curfew, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm an adult. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for laughing it off. But, you know, they as soon as I walked up, they're all kind of like, uh, it's time for me to go home. You know, to, it may or may not be fishy, but to me, tactically, strategically, if, if I'm caught doing something, I want to exit a, a situation as fast as I can and get out of there, right? That's just the, the tactical mentality that I have. If, if I'm... If I'm out on a patrol and I get caught in an ambush, you got to you, you want to get out of you know harm's way as fast as possible, right? And, and that's just that's human instinct, honestly. It's the fight or flight mentality, and yeah. And the way that I read the body language is that you know, and it may or may not be true, right? Mm-hmm. I I didn't do this as a political ploy or anything else. I didn't mm-hmm. walk up to these guys for political reasons. I didn't. I really didn't. I truly thought in, in my heart that it was a break in trust. Hmm. Right, a, a, a true violation of the Brown Act. Because the Brown Act is, if there is a majority of the council mm-hmm. that is meeting in a non-public meeting, right? Yep. Yeah. And so, were they conducting or were they discussing business? Don't know. Or were they just talking about well, it, uh, the Padres? I, they they very well could have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, uh, the notes taken from the city's orientation. Uh, on the Brown Act, people that have shared those notes with me said that that's one of those situations where you just don't do it, wow. right? So, so interpretation is not left up to 
right. legal entities. You don't want to create the appearance of impropriety. For sure. Right. For sure. And they, that's, again, what I personally thought was yeah. was what was wrong. So um, I, I kind of described it as they all tucked tail and ran, right? And that may or may not be how they observe their actions. But, again, me as, you know, who I am, that's, that's how I felt. And uh, I didn't – I was like, you know what, I'm just going to let this go. Right. Mm-hmm. That was Tuesday the 18th. And on Monday after, I wrote the city a letter. Uh, actually, I wrote an email to the district attorney. Right. Mm-hmm. So the city attorney works for the city staff and mm-hmm. the city council. Mm-hmm. If a law is broken and I'm a witness to it, the attorney that works for me and the state is the district attorney to defend that law. Mm-hmm. So I referred my findings first-hand witness account to the district attorney mm-hmm. and waited for what I asked for. It was advisement of what I should do. Mm-hmm. So later that later Monday, and I, I forget, so the 18th and seven days later would have been the 25th. Yeah, the 25th. On yeah. Monday the 25th, I wrote them an email uh, and the district, the assistant district attorney advised the investigator that was that I was in communications with to have me write a letter to the city. Okay. And when the city responds, to pass that response back to the DA. So I, I wrote a letter to the city, and I delivered it on Tuesday the 26th. Um, a day or two later, uh, the city attorney responds back to me and said there, he finds there to be no violation of the Brown Act. Well, again, an attorney that works for you is never going to find you in violation right. of any rules. I, I so again, understand. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. the interpretation of their violation or non-violation on the city's behalf by the city attorney is is again like my attorney telling you guys that I'm not a criminal, or President Nixon's attorney telling you guys he's not a liar, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just it's not. Yeah. That's not who I want to hear from. Yeah. Whether they think they violated or not. Right. So, I, again, I, in turn, sent their response to the district attorney's mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. This whole time, this was private between me, the district attorney's office, and the city. This whole time. So this entire evolution, I've not said anything about it on social media, and, and people can check me on this, whatnot, um, until October 2nd and the city council meeting. Right. Mm-hmm. The morning of October 2nd, uh, there was a gentleman on one of the social media platforms that gave a list of facts that was not a witness to this event, mm-hmm. that was not there, that wasn't... I, I've never spoken to him about this incident, um, but I know other people that were there spoke to him and gave them him the facts as they saw them, and it's just not the same. They don't... So it's like preemptive defense. They don't track. Yeah. So Tuesday, yeah. somebody wrote this post on a, a social media platform, and I responded. That's the only response I've had about this entire evolution. Right. In a public setting. In a public setting. Yeah. And even then, it wasn't and, – and like I said earlier, my integrity means a lot to me. I can as tell that. As a man, yeah. as a Marine, as yeah. a father, as a husband. Right. Um, that's, just, that's just who I am. And I didn't, I, I didn't conduct any of this operation, this event – for publicity, for my candidacy. Mm-hmm. I did not do that because I knew it would turn into what it's turned into since the council meeting on October 2nd. 
I'm quoted in that Chieftain article as saying I followed them. I did not follow them. I'm not going to follow anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody how to do their job, John. I'm mm-hmm. just not. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a job to be done, I'll tell people the job to be done. And if they can't do it, I'll find the people that will do that job. Mm-hmm. I do that at work. Mm-hmm. I do that with my son. I do that at church. You know, it's just, I'm an adult. You're an adult. If there's things to be done, let's do it. And if we don't do it, somebody else has to. We have to find the somebody else that has to do that. And, and I like to lead by example. And that's not an example that I want leading the city, right, of what I believe to be a break in trust. So meeting comes around Tuesday night, and uh, public oral's finished. And the mayor asks Deputy Mayor John Mullen to speak, and he brings, it, he brings this whole thing up. Hmm. Because uh, one of the citizens of Poway talked about it during public oral, about the private meeting, and their own witness to these events. Not my witness to these events, mm-hmm. but their own witness. So they were completely different than mine. Oh, wow. So they, <laughs> these people saw the events happen specifically separate from me. Really? Again, it's I, walked, coincidence. I walked around a circle. Mm-hmm. It, it may be. Mm-hmm. But... Those other people, like, if you sit, stay around the council meetings, there's a certain group of people that like to hang out and just talk. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and that's, what the, that was what, that's what was happening. And, and since this has all happened, they said they were just hanging out talking. They saw the same three guys that I saw get in their cars separately and drive across the street. That's not unfishy to me, even from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So my perspective is one thing, and theirs is different, and it kind of— comes to the same conclusion but it you know either way you think they violated you think they didn't violate it, it like this even the city attorney said at the orientation meeting i was told it's just one of those things you just don't do yeah to right yeah don't leave it up to interpretation right so again john mullen calls it out and he has the the, the city attorney uh explain what he finds to be a not violation of the Brown Act. Again, how is somebody that's working for them going to explain to anybody that, you know, mm-hmm. right, it's, right. it's just, it, right. it, it, mm-hmm. those numbers just don't add up. So, again, I didn't publicize it. Uh, I didn't want to make it political. They, they opened it up after public oral, so I couldn't respond. Mm. Right? And then uh, Mr. Leonard really I mean were, were you there on Tuesday no I wasn't no um, he, he really starts to verbally accost me for just being a citizen really like, really really that's, that's, that's all I was really, like it's our civic duty to uphold our elected officials to a standard yeah yeah I, I believe everybody would agree uh, yeah, with me yeah um, my interpretation of what they were doing was wrong Right. I did what I was supposed to do as far as my civic duty goes. Right. I don't believe I was right. wrong in doing that. No, not at all. I, I'm not going to call what I did whistleblowing, but uh, verbally accosting me for doing what I think is right in front of the council on the record, on video, on live TV, if you were watching that, mm-hmm. it, you can only poke a Marine so far before they start lashing out. Right. I, 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 mm-hmm. I am not immune to that. Um, so he, he, he brings up the city orientation and I, and I wasn't there. I was at my son's Cub Scout meeting that night. 
I'm not going to miss that. Sorry. Well, no. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. CD orientation for my candidates here, Not. I'm not missing a family event for that. I'm just not. That, that's who I am as a man. I, I just... If, if if stuff comes up, I'll have to you know work around it and plan around it. But I could have chose to attend that meeting or chose to attend my son's Cub Scout meeting. I can read the Brown Act, John. I can interpret to myself what I what I think it to be saying. Right, but but you I don't know, need people to tell me no. how to, how to think to to think. I just I don't. I'm I'm, not, I'm an independent thinker, believe it or not. But you Barry. not you not attending that meeting wasn't the problem. Exactly. That's a their, deflection of their what the problem, problem was. Me turning mm-hmm. them in for what I believe to be a Brown Act violation, and they got they took it personal mm-hmm. and politicized it. Mm-hmm. I had not done that in this, this entire time. I really didn't, and and I chose to do that privately so it didn't get to where it's at today. I I have since apologized to the city staff and the council for my outburst at the meeting because it was unprofessional and it was unbecoming of a Marine and and who I am as a person. I, I shouldn't have done that. But again, I can only get pushed so far. Before. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get violent. I didn't get la- loud, loud. I mean, I yelled out loud a couple times, but I didn't get angry. I was agitated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he starts talking about this and me not attending the meeting and you should educate yourself and this, that, and the other. I don't need anybody telling me what I should do. Mm-hmm. I'm an independent thinker. Mm-hmm. I can read for myself what things mean. Believe it or not, I'm from Kentucky, but I can read. <laughs> right. I'm not from the East Coast. I'm not from Massachusetts. I don't mm-hmm. like the Patriots. <laughs> Even though they beat my Colts last night, I still despise them and their cheating ways. Right. Um, the Patriots, that is. Bella cheat. Bella cheat, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're always, I mean, no matter what those guys do, they've always cheated and they'll never get around they're that. They're spying on practices yeah, and deflating they, balls. You can't, and You can't come back from that. No. They are cheaters. Mm-hmm. That's like Sean Merriman using steroids. He will always be looked at as a steroid user. That's right. You just don't look past that. Roger Clemens will always be a steroid user. Yeah. He may be the greatest pitcher of all time, but he was a steroid user. That's right. You know, you can't come back. So anyways, he, he's sitting up there from these seats and, you know, his protected, you know, by no response of their... Um, yeah, because public aura was done. Was closed. Yeah, so you have no way to respond. Yeah, so yeah, again, just the the circus act that that was Alan Fenstermacher explaining their not violation <laughs> of the Brown Act is just it was laughable and it was agitating me. And then and then, Mr. Leonard started to say what he was saying, and it's like, no, you don't get to do that. Like, no, if if you have a problem with this, talk to me. You have my email address. You have my phone number. I was there standing out front of the council chambers before the meeting started. You could have said anything you wanted to then privately. I chose to keep this private on purpose, and they wanted to do what they did, and they did it. They did it, right? Whether it harmed me or didn't, I I honestly don't care. I really don't. I know what I did was an integrity move. I can go to sleep at night being just fine. Um, Like I said, I apologize to them since then for my actions at the meeting. Mm-hmm. After public oral was over and that was over, when they went into the consent calendar, I left. I honestly just, I, I, I don't want to be a part of an environment where I'm not welcome. Mm. And mm-hmm. that was that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to go places where people don't want me there. And that was clearly the case that night. Um, they'll say that they, that's not the intent, but that 100% was the intent of that attack. Wow. Um, I, I have no doubt in my mind that that was that. This may be 
related to who they see me associating with before and after city council meetings. But but that's purely just people of a similar age and similar background associating with each other because yeah. they like each other. Yeah. I, I hang out with the people I hang out with at the council meetings because we're of a similar age. Yes. And we were specifically the, the one person I'm thinking of uh, is also a veteran. So I'm way more comfortable with veterans than I am with not veterans. Right. I mean, I, I'm comfortable with everybody. Mm-hmm. But I can actually be John. I can actually be the Marine when I'm around other Navy yeah. guys, yeah, Air yeah, Force yeah. guys. You know, yeah. I, I don't have to watch what I say. I, I can just be, you know. You can be authentic. You can be real. I, I can just be, yeah. you know, the, the asshole that all my friends, <laughs> do, I mean, you know, I'm yeah. not, all my friends would never say I am. But, you know, I can just be that guy that harasses them and, you know, we banter back and forth and everything else. I, I would never do that with people that I don't know or even people that aren't Marines because or, or, or military guys because we do and say stuff that's not of a our senses of humor aren't the same yeah oh I think people know that with Marines I mean yeah. I mean when Marines yeah. are amongst Marines you know yeah they're, so, they're, they're contained you know they don't let yeah. it get out of the boundary but amongst themselves you know they're, they're we're fine guys being dudes or dudes yeah, being we're just, guys we're just whatever. dudes yeah. I'm just a guy and I'll tell yeah. everybody I'm just a guy that wants to be a part of Poway moving forward really that's mm-hmm. that's part of it so I think my association with certain people that are at, I don't want to call those certain people agitators but they're not not agitators right and, and I think that really got to Mr. Leonard and I think it still gets to him and he can't move past that as a professional, I think he can't, and, and and that's a flaw. That's a deep flaw that shouldn't represent the people of Poway. Mm-hmm. He he's not up for election this time. No, he's not. But if he can't publicly say he can get past that, he shouldn't be there anymore. Mm. And, and and in my apology, I, I said I was unprofessional, and I apologize for that. I my outbursts won't happen again, mm-hmm. and and that goes back to my discipline and my integrity. Mm-hmm. If I say something, I'm going to do it, right. and I'll be on time, if not before time. Right. Uh, so, again, that won't that won't happen, and uh, I just I, I really feel sad because you know it it doesn't make me regret doing writing the letter to the to the city, talking to the DA. It doesn't make me regret any of that because um, the truth will you know get out, and the truth will happen. One way or another, what you know, I don't believe what they said to be false after the meeting, right at the meeting on on the second. They said they they like each other. They were getting a beer together. All right, mm-hmm. I I don't believe that to be false. Right. Uh, I also know that when I get together for drinks with my coworkers, we always talk about work. Oh yeah, it's a natural. Yeah. Yeah. So for them to not talk about work is unnatural. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, so uh, I know the human condition and the way people act. Yeah, so yeah. again, it, I still think it was a violation of trust for them to get together and to continue to get together. Um, this last meeting, uh, after the verbal accosting, I left after, during the consent calendar. Mm-hmm. I, I walked across the street to Mainstream. I, I sat down and got a glass of whiskey, mm-hmm. glass of bourbon. Right. I had bullet rye that night. Okay. I had three of them and walked home. Okay. Um, when I was there, Tori came from the senior center forum. Mm-hmm. So she went to the senior center forum yeah. in lieu of 
the city council meeting, and she stuck around there. I was at the senior center forum too mm-hmm. until about six uh, forty-five, and then I went to the council meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I stayed there. Uh, <laughs> much, yeah. much more welcoming environment. Mm-hmm. Um, even in light of the the conditions they that they're, that they're dealing with there and the things that they're dealing with. Um, so I I go to mainstream, have a glass of whiskey. Stephanie, the waitress, was fantastic. I was sitting on the patio. Uh, Tori texted me. She's like, "Where you at? You're not at the meeting." I'm like, "I'm at Mainstream having a glass of whiskey. You want yeah. to join me for a drink?" She's yeah. like, "Sure." She came over, and got a beer, and then John Ryan comes over because he's like, "Where you at? I, I saw you left." You know, uh, through this whole this whole evolution of the the candidacy and running and stuff, uh, John Ryan will be my friend for the rest of the time we both live in Poway. Right on. Right. Yeah. So I like John. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, Different than me. Yeah, he's very different, you know? but he's a great guy. But he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I like Peter. Yeah. Right? Uh, Peter went to Bowling Green, Kentucky, about 40 miles from where I grew up, mm-hmm. to pick his car up. I, I'll, Calypso. I'll, I'll always be yeah. in contact with Peter to see how he's doing and stuff, no matter what. That's right? super. Uh, we're neighbors. Yeah, know? yeah. All District 1 guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I don't dislike Dave. Right? Mm-hmm. His, his viewpoint on the appointment of not even going to the, like, not even wanting the appointment, and then his three candidates versus voting to make it a consensus just for consensus is not an integrity move, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's my only issue with Dave, right? That and the, you know, his no vote on the veteran housing Veterans Housing Project. Right. Um, there's no reason for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but back to the, the story. So, Tori, uh, myself, and John Ryan are sitting at the table, and for some reason, Tony Russo and Brian Edmondson walk in, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like the whole ballot and then, is appearing. <laughs> and then Chris and Delana Olps come over, too. No, so oh, amazing. We're, we're all sitting at a table outside. Actually, when John Mullen, or so when Tori and I were at the table by ourselves, John Mullen came outside to talk to us. He just came out to say hi. Um, wait, wait, know, wait. Wasn't this during the meeting? This is right after so, consent calendar? So after consent calendar, Tori and I were there. Okay. After the meeting, everybody else showed up. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, now all I right. get it. And, and John shows up, and he comes outside to talk to us. Uh, and he's like, come inside and have a drink with us. I'm like, nah, I'm going to sit out here, yeah. especially, you know, in light of what just happened. I, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not welcome there. You may welcome me there. And, and I truly believe it to be John, John to be a man of integrity. Yeah. Uh, he, he's one of the—I think he'll stand by his word no matter what. Yeah. And uh, I like John. And uh, in my apology, he was the first person to respond to me. And, he, you know, he, I'm not going to say what he said, but, you know— it, it was good. Mm-hmm. And, and I responded back to him and said, you know, uh, I'm thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I hope to, you know, I, I actually really hope to be sitting next to you one day working with you as a peer. Right uh, on. I, yeah. You know, I like Joe Calabrese, mm-hmm. but I also like John Mullen. I, I wouldn't choose between the two. I don't have to, so I'm not going to. Okay. You know, I, I would like to sit, sit next to either of those guys. They're both fantastic human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John comes outside and invites us to the table. I, I'm just I'm like, you know what? I'm, Tori, please go ahead. If you want to do that, I'm going to sit out here and just calm down and cool off. Right on. And okay. I stayed out there by myself. And then John Ryan shows up. And then Brian Edmondson, Tony Russo, and Chris and Delana Olps. And uh, Chris and Delana invited some of their friends over that live actually the next street up from me. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we're all sitting out there having a drink and whatnot. And then the... And in the chieftain, back to that article, uh, it says we followed them over there again. Oh no! Oh no! I'll show you the receipt from my things. Stephanie, the waitress, 
that mainstream will tell you. Yeah. I was there an hour before all the people showed up. Right. You know, I was already two drinks deep by the time they got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two two drinks, two 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 whiskeys with ice, and it's not going to get me anywhere. Right. Just right, not. Right, two hundred forty right. pounds. Right. Uh, yeah. So I remember this very well. Right. So. Uh, uh, again, it says that I followed them over there. I, I'm not following anybody, John. I'm not. I'm not a ninja. That's not your style. I'm not a spy. No. no. It's just uh, mm-hmm. I can't hide very well. <laughs> I wasn't wearing camouflage. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty bright. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just not not going to do that. If, if they want to keep doing that in light of everything else going on, I wouldn't. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, it was all the council. Minus Kaylin. So it was, you know, the mm-hmm. mayor, John Mullen, Dave Grush, and Barry Leonard, all four of them sitting at the table again having a drink. Tori went to have a drink with them, so whatever. I didn't follow anybody, right? And and to beat it all, at the end of the night, the the waitress was saying that um, the mayor asked her if, uh, hey, should we get a we – we should get a cut of their check because we brought them here. The mayor asked a waitress for a cut of the business profit or her tips or something. Right. I don't know specifically what he was alluding to. Yeah. But he, he was like, we should get a cut of their check because we brought them here. He, he's joking around. I but, know, but, but still. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's just, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to ask a waitress that? Yeah. That's that, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not classy. Mm-hmm. Like, have a little bit of class. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether you think what you think. Or not? Don't mm-hmm. say that out loud. Right. That's not. That's not a. That's not a good look. I hear it's you. It's honestly not. Plus, I was there before them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Whatever. It's like I can't go to a bar. Mm-hmm. Like really, you have to allow me to come here, Mr. Mayor. Oh, come on. <laughs> the, you know, get out of here with that. I just. I, I don't know that. That kind of ends up that story. I went way more rambling and in depth than I chose. I would. I would like to, but the. My story really needs to get out there because the f- the facts in the paper aren't the facts. They're really mm-hmm. not. They're spin. Uh, whether Mr. Dreyer wants to say that or not, they just really are. They're they're one sided story. He's never asked me for a quote on any of this stuff. Um, so I I really you know I'm not lying. I'm not going to lie about this situation. I'm not. I don't want to. I didn't want to politicize this thing. I didn't want to make this thing a fiasco. I didn't want sparks to fly at the city council meeting. That's not. That's not why I'm doing this. I. I want to be a part of Poway's future. Is why I'm doing this. Right. And, you know, whether they were trying to, you know, harangue my good name or whatever, make paint a picture of the way I do things or anything. I. I don't know. I don't know why they chose the motives or they. You know. The motives that they have to choose what they did, I, I, I don't know, and I can't speak for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for me, right, and and my integrity and what I choose to do. So, that being said, um, what Mr. Fenstermacher said at the meeting about the the Brown Act violation being closed, as far as the district attorney, mm-hmm. also is un- is false. Um, the district attorney uh, contacted Mr. Fenstermacher after his response to me and said that the district attorney's office is very interested in continuing violations of the Brown Act and that in, in a voicemail to me, mm-hmm. uh, I can share it with you off the record later, but in a voicemail to me, uh, the investigator said that 
the district attorney's office put the city of Poway on notice. Really? Yes. Wow. And, and it, that is a quote from the mm-hmm. voicemail that was left to me, and, and I don't want to put it on the, on the record, but for, for the city attorney to say that their investigation or their interest in this matter is closed is also false and uh, not true. Mm-hmm. And, and I will share that with you later. So, um, just well, it's wanna, always good to keep elected wanna, officials accountable, right? Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I expect the same thing of me. I really do. Right. If I get this seat November 6th, I really want the same accountability mm-hmm. um, of people that have the the good of the city in, in mind. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like, like I said at the forum, nobody wants Poway to fail, and everybody really wants us to succeed. Everybody loves Poway. Everybody running, everybody that speaks at city council meetings. I think everybody that lives in Poway wants Poway to, yeah, to succeed. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right? no question. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that subject. I don't really want to talk about it again, honestly. Well, I think you've if, said at your piece, you pretty much said if, it all. If Mr. Dreyer at the Chieftain, you know, wants to write on that from me, he can watch your podcast. Okay. He can watch the his. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it again. Okay. But I truly think that uh, City Council Member Barry Leonard owes everybody an apology and an explanation as to why he can't get past relationships of people that speak at the city council meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I truly think that was his motive and desire to uh, accost me verbally the way he did. Right. So, again, uh, if if there's another topic we can talk about now. No, no. I, I'm going to continue to talk about this as long as you want to. It's just going to make me uh, matter and matter, and I'll just keep reiterating the okay. same thing. Then so let's switch gears. Yeah. Because so. I was waiting for there to be like a kind of a, yeah. like a little a natural, pause, yeah. and then we can kind of move on. But you just kept rolling. I so, won't stop talking about this. I know. It's okay. What, what I believed for, what I believe my truth to be is what I will always stand behind. Mm-hmm. Everybody's truth is different. No, no, yeah. yeah. Right? Context and perspective yeah. individually is insurmountable in yes, some people's minds. That's right. So I, I don't, again, like I said, I don't think that their context and perspective of what they think to be not a violation of the Brown Act, I don't think that they think that's wrong. I think that's wrong, but I don't think that they do. Right, because they probably figured they weren't talking business or maybe not official business, maybe kind of, you know. So, so yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the things that, not to, not to keep on that subject, but Barry's appointment, Kalen's appointment, mm-hmm. this perceived Brown Act violation, mm-hmm. there keeps happening instances along the path that would that would lend to the to the idea that that truly is a Brown Act violation, right? You, you track where I'm going with this in terms the, of making the decision on the appointments. Yes. Okay. So, and that there there probably were Brown Act violations preceding those appointments. Probably. Hmm. I, I I will not definitively say yes or no. But right. The, the, tracking from the behavior. Yeah. Makes that fit. I. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Cause, so so yeah. why continue to allow that perception to happen? Right. Again, yeah. even Mr. Fenstermacher said at the orientation, just don't do it. Right, right. So. Well, I think that's what they, they talk about with ethics training is it's one thing to not be ethical, 
mm-hmm. it's another thing to not create the appearance of Correct. unethical. Very much so. You know, uh, just so that there are no doubts, you yeah. know, that, that people don't jump to wrong conclusions and mm-hmm. create a, a cloud of, of a mess mm-hmm. that's surrounding And again, I'm not going to say definitively whether they mm-hmm. broke the law or not mm-hmm. in any instance, right? It's not for me to... Right. I'm not an attorney. I'm not the DA. I'm not... I'm nobody right now, right? I'm just a citizen of Poway reporting what I saw. And I don't want... Like, I don't want these guys to... I don't want anything to happen from that. I just don't want them to do it again. Yeah. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. So... It's all there's, good. There's that. Yeah, you, you made your piece. And I, you're a man of principle. I mean, this goes back to the way you've been raised and your training in the Marines. And mm-hmm. you're, you want to solve problems, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily wanting to complain about the problem. You want to solve the problem. And to your point, you, you don't want to be a whistleblower, but you just want it not to happen again. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Brown Act prescribes that, right? So the letter I wrote mm-hmm. had very specific things in it that I asked of the city and, and in my letter, I demanded that they not do this perception or perceived violation again. Yeah. There and you I, go. And that's it. And that's all you got to do. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's, it's very simple. And, and to me, like, to blow it out of proportion like it was, it was outrageous. Right. And very unprofessional. And all he had to do was come to me man to man and say something. And I would have given him the same explanation. It's not personal. It's really not. I'm not attacking you, Barry. I'm just not. Yeah. You, 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 you're not on my radi- radar for attacking. Right. Just, you're not that important to me, Barry. <laughs> so. So let's switch up gears a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, I can we'll use We'll use Barry as our pivot point. How's that? Um, Barry's a Red Sox fan. Oh, God. <laughs> so what do you, you say you're a baseball guy. Tell me what you think about the playoffs. What How do you like? fantastic is it that <laughs> two 100-win teams are playing each other? Yeah, that's cool. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, We're probably missing the game right now. Yeah, I don't we know. probably are, whatever. <laughs> it's still the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah. We'll see it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for the rest of our lives on national television. That's right. So can't get away from that. Um, they were talking about the, the Mighty Tonight. I don't want to specifically talk about that game or that series, but uh, – Stephen Woods and Ben Higgins, Higgins mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Smith were all talking about playoffs and what they perceive to be the best playoffs in the world. And and Woods is a uh, massive baseball guy, yeah, specifically yeah, a Yankees mm-hmm. fan. And uh, he said the baseball playoffs are the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best reality television in the world is Major League Baseball. Right. It's a gentleman's sport. Mm-hmm. You have to hit a round ball with a round bat squarely. Right. Ted Williams said it. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a road named after Ted Williams. Yeah, we do. Is that it's great? a big part of San Diego. Yeah. Um, even though I didn't grow up here, Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett were my, my favorite. Kirby's not a Padre, but mm-hmm. very much like Tony Gwynn and, the, and the, his approach to the game. Not, not the greatest athletically gifted player out there, mm-hmm. but uh, their approach to the game, their 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 research of the game, their, you know, just watching the game and yeah, yeah. being a student of the game was yeah. very, very similar in yeah. my mind. And, uh, and their personalities, they were both bigger than life, both those guys. Yeah, after baseball, Kirby had some issues with... Yeah, know, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's like domestic issues, yeah. I think. Yeah. But uh, Tony was just the greatest oh, thing yeah. ever, right? Yeah. But the baseball playoffs are the best drama on television. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's, not, it's not this 
beat your head against each other, football stuff. Yeah. College football, baseball, football, or, uh, NFL. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the NBA or soccer where everybody's flopping like a bunch of fish on on the deck of a boat. <laughs> right. Um, it's not hockey. Hockey's fantastic too. Like there, I don't watch hockey, but I've watched playoff hockey, and that's a violent sport with the the nuance of skill, like baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a very skilled sport. Yes, for what it is, um, with violence and aggression. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of well. Some cool. people say that the and I mean Jim Rome says that the NHL playoffs he thinks is the best. Yeah, uh, excitement. But I'm I'm with you. I'm a baseball guy. I love the major yeah. league playoffs, even though as a Padre fan, I'm suffering. Yeah. But uh, you gotta love the you gotta love these series. 2020. I think 2020 we're, we'll be con- competing. They're contending. they're doing the right thing. They finally, are. They, they are. They are. I'm 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 so excited. I don't know if Andy Green will be around to be a part of it. I hope he is because he's. I think he's a good manager. Um, I I thought Bud Black was a good manager, and they just didn't have a a team around him. But, um. There's nothing like the Major League Baseball playoffs. The the drama, the the instances where you can get down to a game seven in the World Series with one out left and being down runs and being able to win. You know what well, the Astros did last year, uh, coming from where the Padres were or oh, yeah. less, mm-hmm. they were worse. Oh yeah, they like had like the three Astros or four one hundred loss seasons. Were a joke in yeah. baseball. Yeah, and you know through drafting and player development and and taking a guy from the San Diego baseball Padres system their manager he was the assistant oh, yeah. to the AJ GM Hinch, yeah. yeah he they they just did it and like the ability and the parity in baseball for teams that come out of the cellar like the Braves right they oh, were yeah. awful last yeah. year and they just make a couple moves and have a couple kids come up and play fantastic baseball well, their rebuilding plan has yeah. come along faster than anyone because expected because of Okuna just one yeah. rookie yeah. Hitting an amazing amount of home runs, yeah, a long way, mm-hmm. is just crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it, like the the Chris Bryant, the kid from San Diego, like he elevated the club, the Cubs, to where they were. I don't think they would have won the World Series without Chris Bryant. Probably not. He wasn't a major factor of it, but he was a part of that. And just ba- just baseball in general, like, is just fantastic. So well, you, watching we're... Nolan Ryan beat up Robin Ventura when I was a kid was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Like, why would? Like, why would you charge the mound on that old dude? You yeah, know he's going to beat you up. Yeah, you know it. That like was... Anybody that can throw a baseball that hard can throw their hands that hard. Well, if you watch the replay of that, Ventura gets hit, and he starts walking to first, and you can tell in his mind he's thinking— Nope, don't do that again. You know, yeah, but he's also—he's thinking, I can't let this go without challenging him. Because this old dude just beat me up. Yeah, and then he went out there and just got, you know, slapped around. Yeah. He just got the noogie, right? Yeah, and, and he, he fired his head up. Were you a Reds fan growing up? No, I was a Yankees fan growing up. Ah. So when I was growing up, the Yankees won. Like they, like in, you know, when I, in the I 90s, say growing right? up in the nineties, right? Yeah, I was yeah. born in eighty two. So in the nineties, when they started winning, I was old enough to actually mm-hmm. watch baseball and pay attention and mm-hmm. and you know keep stats and cards and stuff like yeah. that. Coherently pay attention as a you know a, a youth and a young teenager and a teenager and stuff. So uh, the winners are always more attractive than the losers. So. Yeah, yes, they are. But again, like Tony Gwynn was always my favorite baseball player. Like even living in Indiana and Kentucky, uh, that's awesome. Without a doubt, like greatness transcends teams. It really does. Like that's so awesome. But the Yankees, like you know what what they were able to do with David Cohn and David Wells and you know and Bernie Williams, and, right? And Bernie yeah. Williams and yeah. and 
you know. The young Jeter. Just young Jeter. Yeah. Young Jeter. Yeah. Um, was amazing. Like, they won 125 games one year. Yeah, that was 98 when they played the Padres, yeah. right? Yeah. Poor Padres. They ran into a buzzsaw. They, they hit the biggest Scott wall that Service you could. Scott Service was on that team. Yeah. And yeah, that was good. They hit the biggest wall that they could have hit of all time. That might be the greatest team that ever well, played the game. Well, then, not for the speaking, I, I joke about the San Diego sports curse. The Padres were in the World Series 98 against the greatest team of all time, potentially. But even in 84, when the Padres went to the World Series, the Tigers were so darn good that year. Yeah. They started the season 35 and 5. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And, and So, who do you like in these playoffs this year? Who are you rooting for? The Yankees, right? Uh, no. No? No, I, I think, I still think that my. Pick in the AL, which is I don't think is real. This who you think's going to win, or who the, you're rooting for? I don't think AL is real baseball, first of all, because they have the DH. Ah, okay, good. I like that. Um, if you play baseball, you got to play the field. Yeah. David Ortiz is not a good baseball player. He's a good hitter. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, um, uh, so I, I think that the Astros are the team to beat in the AL. I, mm-hmm. I Jose Altuve is an amazing athlete. Unbelievable. Um, that guy. Justin Verlander being on that team yeah. makes him ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the Indians are not bad. Uh, with a former Padres club, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, minor league system hand, uh, Corey Kluber, he was rule five from San Diego. No, he was, he was wasn't he traded for, um, uh, God, what was that guy's name? I thought was he was he, rule five. No, he was I could be wrong. No. Okay. He was traded for this... Made a deal with the Cardinals, and it was a three-way deal. And then Kluber went to the Indians. Was it for uh, Luke Gregerson? No, it wasn't Gregerson. This guy was like a left fielder, and he was uh, a, he was hit home runs. We hit like two fifty, and it wasn't Jim Edmonds, was it? No, that's that was a different trade. Okay, that was for Scott uh, for Freeze. Oh, we, we yeah. gave a Freeze to get Edmonds, and then Edmonds was all. We still have a third baseman. Like, we gave away a shortstop for Will Myers. Yeah, and a third baseman for. Jim Edmonds. Yeah. And Jim Edmonds sucked for the Padres. We released him. He went back to the Cardinals and he revived his career yeah. and they went to the World Series. Yeah. And now, and then. But uh, think about that. We Fre- have Trey Turner and David Freeze on the left side of our infield. Right. Yeah. We'd have Eric Hosmer because we signed him out right on yeah. the right side of our infield. Yeah. And we could use whoever we want at second base. It really wouldn't matter. You know? And we'd have the outfield we have. We would be contending right now with right. the pitching we have. But then, if, assuming you had Kluber. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Sorry, I hit that. That's all right. But that, that, I guess the, the the Astros will be my pick in the AL. Since the Padres are out, I really haven't really paid attention. I I hate the Dodgers because we we're from San Diego. We're Padres fans, so <laughs> right. that's that's inherent. Right, right. I'm originally from San Francisco, so I uh, really hate the Dodgers. Jeez. Oh, I like Puig though. I like following, watching him play. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Puig was the, the name of my fantasy baseball team. So do you watch South Park at all? I, only rarely, but so I've always liked it when I have South Park it. had an episode. There was there was this mythical creature that was invading the town called Man Bear Pig. Mm, I've heard about that. Yeah. So my my uh, fantasy baseball team was named Man Bear Puig. Oh, very good. Uh, so, I, I, yeah. I, I, like, I like the way he plays baseball. I like the way all of... The Cubans play baseball. Yeah, um, like Suspedes. I, I went to yeah, yeah Suspedes. All the all those yeah. guys. Like even uh, uh, Arismer de Spagne that played for the Padres. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I 
I love the way those guys have a passion for the game and play yeah. it like kids. Yeah. Um, I went to the World Baseball Classic here in San Diego this last time, and I've never had more fun at a baseball did game. Did you go to the USA Dominican game? Yes, yeah, I, I was did. there too. I, I've never had more fun at a baseball game. That was game. unbelievable. The environment, the drums, the people bringing music, musical instruments yeah. into the game. Yeah. The vuvuzelas, the, the just atmosphere and environment and noise and love. It was love. wonderful, man. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then it's Adam speechless. Jones made that catch. Yes, it was it was amazing. And then who else? The other big thing in that game was um, Stanton's home run to the Western Supply Building. Uh-huh. It was like a laser shot. That that was bigger than the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. By far. Oh, yeah. By far. Yeah. It, it was crazy. And I was at the All-Star game in the Home Run Derby and the and the um and the prospect game. I, I'd spent the entire weekend at, at or the week at Petco Park and the convention center during the All Star Week. The World Baseball Classic outshined everything. It was so far and away the greatest baseball event I've ever been to. It was wonderful. It, yeah. The, the it just I can't say enough great things about that. And and Petco Park really shines. Oh yeah. In these yeah. times, like it's such a great park. Oh yeah. You go you go to places like Fenway and you know Wrigley Field and they're they're, they're and even Dodger Stadium, they're great halls of baseball. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever dispute those those facts. Um, but they're not Petco Park. No, not they're at not all. even AT and T Park. No, you know, the Angels play in a awful stadium. Yeah, like it's awful. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. To to waste Mike Trout in an environment in that stadium is just terrible to me. Um, I think he'll be the first five hundred million dollar baseball player. But um, Petco Park is amazing. It's 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 the San Diego spirit oh, that yeah. you feel there. It mm-hmm. looks it looks like San Diego. Mm-hmm. They were very thoughtful in the design of that place and the sandstone that's out there and the the water that comes over it when we're not in water restrictions and mm-hmm. you know just the food, the beer, the the tri tip from Cardiff, the you know the oh hey sorry <laughs> she was growling was at you. Is she? It, I don't know what she's growling. What time is it? I don't know. It's uh, oh, it's probably getting close to uh, her uh, her dinner time. Oh, what time is it? It's five eleven. Oh wow! Have We're we going been going for three hours? Apparently. Well, you told me you uh, talk a lot. I do, but you know, I, I I enjoy this as much as you do. Yeah. Uh, we'll go longer if you guys want to listen, but just I, I guess who's in the you know the Dodgers, the Rockies, the Brewers, the Bre- and, the, and the Braves. I guess. I would have to go for the Brewers. Hey, you hungry? She's hungry. It's I, I guess the Brewers would be yeah. my pick, right? Because th- they beat the Cubs, and yeah. the Cubs are a good team. Well, I think I, I'm in the NL. I'm rooting for the Brewers because they had never won a championship, yeah. you know. And <gasps> one of our friends here in Poway, hold on, hold on. they're from Wisconsin, you know, yeah. the Ackley family. So we kind of I always cheer him on when the Brewers do well. That's cool. Um, in the AL, I'm rooting for the Astros. And yeah. we have a selfish thing. Is my son, he, he's a pitcher, and his pitching coach here in Poway is Dom Johnson, okay. who's also the pitching coach of a number of major leaguers, including uh, Chris Davinsky, who's one of the relievers for the Astros. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll see him sometimes here in yeah. Poway. Hey. So she, she I, I think hey. we may need to wrap this up because yeah, fe- i got to feed her. It, it's such a great environment, though, like outside yeah. of the playoff baseball and just baseball in general. Like yeah. my, my friend Eric and his, and his wife, uh, Mary, their, their son played for Heath Bell in Little League. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. 
but he, his son was playing, so he's going to coach. And yeah. It's like these kids get to be around a major league baseball player. That's huge. Even at the lowest level. Like, mm-hmm. You know, that, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Like, away from learning from the guy, that's just awesome as a baseball fan. Like, it's just, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. You know, an all-star. A, yeah. A major league baseball all-star. A cool guy. Yeah. That played for the Padres. is coaching your kid. And, and, uh. Remember his entry uh, yeah, in the All Star game? Yeah, when he slid into the, that the was mound. Fantastic. I, fantastic. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I fanboy about the idea that he's even coaching Little League. That's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and you know, Phil Neverland lives here in town, and his son was the number one draft pick and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure Bochi still lives in town in the off season. Bochi's actually Bochi's house is right around the corner here. Okay, um, but. Uh, the story that I heard is that there, uh, the, his son Brett was in the house because uh, Bruce and his wife live in San Francisco now. Okay. But then Brian Evanston was talking he about moved to Forest Ranch. Brett, Bo- yeah, is in 4S yeah. or Del Sur or something. So yeah. I don't know who's in the Bochi house now. Oh. But it's, yeah, they, they live right on the corner of Stone Canyon and I think it's Brittany Park. You might want to cut that out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's public record. You always look those things yeah, up. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just you know David Justice used to live over by Madaris. Yeah, you know, like yeah. just to see these guys out in yeah, town, it's like yeah. that's cool. Like, Very cool as a baseball fan, right? Like, oh yeah. I we were at Borden Brew on Del Mar one day, and um, I see Aaron Rodgers walking down the street, and, and I'm, I'm not really paying attention to the line or whatnot. Yeah, he's just literally just walking down the street because he lives over there. Yeah, and uh, uh, there's a guy in front of me. He's you know. Fairly athletic-looking guy, not particularly tall or anything. Yeah. He's kind of in, in, unassuming and innocuous. And he turns around, and it's Drew Brees. And I'm like, where am I at right now? I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, am I in quarterback heaven right now? Like, what's what's happening? It's like, we were we were just talking yesterday with Kaylin Frank about yeah. Drew Brees, and so her husband's a big Drew Brees fan. Oh, really? Did yeah. he go to Purdue? Uh, I don't think so. So shout out to Ethan and Brianne. They uh, both went to Purdue and they're okay. huge Breeze fans. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in Indiana, you're either a Bob Knight fan or a Gene Cady fan. And, oh, yeah. Um, Purdue mm-hmm. basketball is awful. It's the worst thing on the planet. They yeah. can't play basketball to save their lives. Sorry. <laughs> Bob Knight's the greatest basketball coach of all time outside yeah. of John Wooden. Yeah. Maybe not, but I, the program is better than any other program in the world, mm-hmm. except for Kentucky and UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> I say this all tongue in cheek, but I was a huge Bob Knight fan. The way, you know, the way his career ended, it was kind of awful. But mm-hmm. uh, just coming from West Point and his teaching background and in basketball and stuff, you know, he was a coach at West Point and stuff, and that's a different environment completely from the rest of college sports and everything. So Bob Knight was a huge like growing up, just watching Bob Knight do things and the discipline that he always had in Cal Chaney and you know the oh, other yeah. guys at at IU. It was it was fantastic. I got to tell you a Bob Knight story. This is a good one. So my um, my wife is, uh, you know, from the Midwest, and her family is in Illinois and Indiana. And we went back to Indiana to Union City, which is like north and east of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. right, right on the border with Ohio. And her aunt and uncle live there. And um, on the living room wall, there's a crucifix and a picture of Bob Knight right next to it. It's a very common occurrence here. <laughs> Yes, Jesus, God, and Bob Knight. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, and corn. Yeah, lots of that and, and corn. Yeah, Indiana is a special place. Like, I, I don't know that I'll ever live there again. I, I would, I would like to. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if the opportunity will ever happen again. Because I, 
I'm a huge fan of the Colts, and I like the Pacers, and yeah. you know the the stuff the, the the Indianapolis 500, and mm-hmm. then and the NASCAR race there. Like that, mm-hmm. I, I love cars. You know, maybe not as much as Peter Neal loves cars, but I, I, I still do. <laughs> that's a that's a tall uh, tall yeah. hurdle there. And to do that in California yeah. is just rough. Like you yeah. have to have the space. I don't have a four car garage like yeah. some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's cars are awesome. Yeah, racing's awesome. They, we don't really do that in Southern California that much. So there, it would kind of be cool to live and have a hobby like that. But uh, again, I I want to live here the rest of my life. I don't really plan on leaving anywhere else. Maybe have another house somewhere eventually when I can afford something like that. But uh, you know, that's all down the road. I'm 35. I want to serve today where I am, and uh, for the near near future. Um, nobody's asked me about term limits, uh, which is surprising. I don't think. I don't think the general consensus is that uh, people want to bring that up right now, specifically uh, the people in office already. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's asked me about, you know, tax revenue increases outside of Poway Road. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, and not to bring this back to, to talking about my candidacy or anything, but at the senior forum, and I thought this was hilarious, uh, they... The lady was asking for written down questions, and and the first question that comes up, and, and it was from a, a, you know, a senior, and they're talking about revenue. The city talks about revenue. The senior center talks about revenue. Yeah, yeah. And the lady's like, if the city and the senior center need revenue so bad, why did they ban dispensaries in Poway? Ah, yeah, marijuana dispensaries. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I kind of chuckled to myself. I'm like, well, she, I understand the point. And she makes a great point. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the reasoning for not having that in Poway and having that element mm-hmm. here and the stuff that comes along with policing mm-hmm. that type of business, right? I, I understand their decisions and why they made the decisions they do. But it does bring up a valid point, right? If we are in need of revenue and we have a business park mm-hmm. where people don't live, right? why would that be such a bad idea? Yeah. I mean, why? It's legal. It's legal. So yeah. why why demonize? And, and I'm not saying that they really are, but by banning it, inherently they are demonizing the business itself. Well, we that's have, a... we have companies in Poway today that uh, participate in the trade mm-hmm. and the research and development of marijuana for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. We already allow that, mm-hmm. and I think we allow uh, in the. In that ban, mm-hmm. I think they also allowed for growth mm-hmm. or growing or some kind of growing, whether it be for research or medical, mm-hmm. in the business park as well. So if we're going to do that, that's going to incur the same types of liabilities as a dispensary would, in right. my mind. If you have marijuana on site, you're going to have the security risk. You're going to have the policing need. You're going to have everything that comes along with it, whether you're selling it or not there. Yeah. So in the business park away from any residential area in Poway, mm-hmm. why would that be such a bad idea? It's not a bad idea. No. And that that's a very good stream of money. Well, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, the invisible hand and economics. Yeah. We talk about this and whether you believe in free markets or not, right? But uh, Somebody was asking me, somebody emailed me the other day and they're like, uh, what party are you affiliated and why are you a par- affiliated with that party? And, mm-hmm. and simple answer is what they asked for. Yeah. And, and my simple response was, 
I am currently affiliated with the Republican Party because I believe in a free market-based economy. Right. And then they followed up with, please respond as to what, what that means. And, right. Uh, you know, the invisible hand theory. Yeah, and, yeah. And anything that goes against socialism. Yeah. <laughs> is mm-hmm. why I believe, you know, unre- mm-hmm. not unregulated business, but specifically regulated business. You can't you can't let businesses and rich people unregulate and, and do what they want. That That's just bad. Like, but, you know, we have other laws that cover that, you know. So that free market-based economy, allowing businesses to be wherever they want to be, is really what I would, mm-hmm. you know, be in favor for, and in a non-residential area, away from a, a, a long ways away from any school that I know of, um, in the business park. No, there, no, there's nothing around there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in Scripps Ranch, the, like further down Scripps Valley Parkway, miles down the road is the closest school. Miles. Well, I mean, they already have liquor stores. Yeah. You know, I mean, marijuana dispensary is really not significantly different than that. No, and. You know, some people mm-hmm. argue that that's safer than drinking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, it is. It is. Yeah. I so. mean, it's statistically proven. I mean, how many people die of alcohol-related deaths? I yeah. mean, it's over the top. Uh, one thing that I, I, I'll never put my moral code on anybody else. Mm-hmm. Live and let live? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I am. You know, like, I, I have my specific religious beliefs, and I mm-hmm. and I have my specific, you know, ethical mm-hmm. beliefs and moral mm-hmm. beliefs, mm-hmm. and my own moral code, and, you know, what I believe to be my integrity once again mm-hmm. and I won't break those for anything right but I am never the smartest person in the room if if I am the only one coming up with the ideas we have a problem <laughs> you mentioned that at one of the forums you know what I mean yeah yeah totally so if, yeah. if I'm the smartest person in the room I'm hang, hanging out with the wrong people yeah. yeah you know like I have a friend that believes he's he he must be the smartest person in the room all the time because he that that's just his you know the way he believes about himself yeah. but like you're hanging out with the wrong people if that's the case. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're never learning if that's the case. You're not mm-hmm. improving. Mm-hmm. You know. So, uh, I, why is it a bad idea to have a dispensary in the business park? It's not a bad idea. And that's and that's. But but, the, but what it comes from? I mean, let's be real. Is that you know there are a lot of conservatives in Poway. There are. And, and I think you know the the. But, the, that, but that's a conservative concept, John. Well, see, to let business yeah do and be where they want to be is a very conservative concept. Right. That's economically a conservative one, but then moral conservative, some people would say not. But that goes, uh, 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 mm-hmm. again, with what I said about never putting my moral code on yeah. anybody. And I'm and, with you right there. Like, the, the yeah. guy that owns San Diego Harley-Davidson, he, he his commercials are like, you know, helmet laws and stuff like that. You, yeah. know, you remember yeah. when he was yeah. making yeah. those commercials yeah. on, on Channel 4? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if he chooses not to wear a helmet, you know, that's one thing. Uh, I don't, again... I don't think that the state should require people to, to do things like that. Right. But they should require them to be donors if they do choose to do things like that. Okay. Right? Yeah. In states that don't have helmet laws, I think they should require those people to be donors. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, I, economically it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Right. I, it, that could be construed either way, like... You know, there could be a, a market for the donor program or whatever else and revenue stream or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying I know what you mean. if, if the, the hospital systems are burdened by people not wearing helmets, then the burden of people needing donors Can is somewhat alleviated yeah, yeah, and relieved yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. by those same things. That's a reasonable um, idea. In European countries, uh, they're 
when they get licenses or when they register to vote, I can't remember what it is, um, they have to check no, they have to check a box to opt out of ah, the donor okay. program. Right, so default is your yes. in. So yeah. when people don't do it, mm-hmm. their numbers are substantially higher than the United States. I, I think it's like 78% in, the, in like 90 in some countries mm-hmm. uh, donor rate on their Mm-hmm. Uh, driver's license and IDs and stuff like that. Here in the States, it's in the 20s or teens average across the board. Because you have to opt you in. You have to opt out. So um, there's a there's a, a writer and a, a professor, and he does TED Talks, Dan Airely. The, the way I believe in economics, personally, mm-hmm. is based upon his belief in economics, and he talks about this principle. Um, and it's an economic principle. Mm-hmm. It, if, if you have to consciously make a choice to say, I'm not going to be a donor, it's harder... Then, actually, saying that you're going to be a donor is hard. Yes, but making a conscious choice to opt out of a uh, out of a donor program is even right. harder. Mm-hmm. So the, those people in the familial uh, cultures that are Europe, Sweden, um, Germany, like Germany may not be a good example, but Sweden for my primary example, their their families are much closer. Uh, in general, and their culture is is much more familial than the United States is at this time. So, what do you mean familial? Like um, family oriented? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and even like it, it, it's it's different, right? So they they hold account, each other uh, and their families accountable. They'll hold their neighbors accountable. They're okay with paying insurance uh, taxes to cover insurance for everybody. Mm-hmm. That. That, that's really what I, I'm talking about, familial, right? So they're, they're okay with providing for the nation. Right. As, as like a, fa- a, fa- a, you know, uh, a family would. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that live in those countries are okay with providing mm-hmm. as a family for the nation. We don't like that here. Um, Americans don't want to, by and large, liberal or Republican, uh, we don't want to pay any more than we have to. Right. We, we we all want to keep our own money. And, you know, if I choose to donate to you, that's what I choose to do. I don't want to have to do it. Right. Right. Uh, so those nations actually are okay with doing that up front. And, and here we're not. So that's just, that's the difference in culture. That's the difference that those people choose to not opt out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's just like that. And I don't think that they're, governmental rules as far as like the nanny state mm-hmm. type ideas car seats seat belts helmets yeah. I don't think they're really like that they're not so no. and, and even then their food stuff like their their food restrictions are much you know more lax than ours and yeah you know um, they, well they, they, those nations largely are economically freer there's mm-hmm. less regulatory burden on business Mm-hmm. Which goes against what you why people would jump to the conclusion exactly because they would think oh they're socialist or big government, but their socialism is more about redistribution. It's more about mm-hmm. the socialized insurance, yep. but not about you know their regulatory burden on business is far less than here. Yeah, but yeah. At the, at, on the other side of that, here in the United States, if if somebody chooses not to have, not to have insurance, that's on them. Yeah, it really is. Whether now I go back on that. Because if you can't afford to have insurance, that's not choosing to not have insurance. Right. Um, the the things that, that make insurance outrageously expensive are are not solved. No, no. That, that was my whole pro- problem with, 
you know the Affordable Care Act in the beginning. Well, it made it less affordable. You, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> prices we're, still went up. We're we're making a mandate to have every, everybody has to have insurance, mm-hmm. but we're not fixing the symptoms that are making insurance expensive to begin with. It's exactly right. So you're you're going to the hospital with a flu and a broken leg that the bone's sticking out of your leg, and they fix the flu. <laughs> but that's what that's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The broken leg's still hanging out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. We didn't fix that. No, we didn't. And nobody wants to fix that because that's hard. It's a very hard thing to like, do. Yeah. Tort reform would be a nice beginning, mm-hmm. right? Making sure people can't sue people just because they want to as a income or whatever else and, mm-hmm. you know, just frivolous lawsuits here and there, you mm-hmm. know. But people need to be protected from malpractice. I think that's fine. Right. Lowering doctor's insurance premiums to protect themselves mm-hmm. uh, is another part of that. Uh, tort reform would help that. So once you do the first piece, you lower the doctor's premiums, and that would lower their overhead. Then you organize the care itself, do preventive care, mm-hmm. record keeping, billing. The billing medical billing industry is probably one of the biggest industries in the United States. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. an outrageous number. Well, you right? look at the number of administrators in a, <laughs> in a doctor's office. It's silly. And, and look here locally at what the CEO of Pomerado Hospital is getting now. Was, yeah, $800,000 like yeah. a year. Yeah. I specifically believe that nobody works that hard. Baseball players get an outrageous amount of money mm-hmm. because that's what we pay for mm-hmm. them to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Strictly on a labor basis, nobody works $800,000 a year hard. Nobody does it. So a lineman on an electrical line for a company like SDG&E makes Mm -hmm. about 75 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe a little more, a little less here and there. Those are the guys that go up the poles. Yeah. Because they make pretty good money. That's a hard job. Yes, it is. Very risky, too. They don't make $800,000 a year. No, they don't. Uh, A logger in... Northern Washington, Alaska, any in the, anywhere in the country makes 15, 20 bucks an hour. That's one of the most dangerous jobs in the United States. Yeah, it's always ranked near the right? top. Yeah. I mean, and they're providing stuff for our infrastructure that we can't go without. For 15 to 20 bucks an hour. So that's like 30 to 40 grand a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make 100 grand a year. Nobody physically works enough to make 800 grand a year. Well, it depends on what you how you value what a salary is about. Is it is a salary reflection of how hard you work, or is a salary reflection of what your value is to that organization? What I would say is, you start at a certain salary. You show me the efficiency mm-hmm. that you can provide, mm-hmm. the efficiencies you can solve in the business, mm-hmm. and the savings that you can provide across the board while improving service yeah. gets you a higher salary faster. Well, yeah. Well, that would be the smart way to go, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the way I would think about it. Yeah, and right? any smart business owner would do that. Yeah, so I, I don't know that these these entities that are mandated can really operate that way because of their red tape and whatnot. No, they can't. No. So I, I think they could probably hire. They probably could have hired somebody for three hundred thousand dollars that will do the same job. Oh, I'm sure there would have been a, a line of people willing yeah. to do that job. Question is, is if you would have gotten the best candidates, because where would the one that's making eighty hundred, assuming she or he is the best candidate, where would they be? Would they be somewhere else, or would they be taking the job? It might reset. It might reset the market. It could, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's where the invisible hand comes into play in salaries. Yes, it is. Like if people are willing to pay that, take it. 
Well, yeah. I'm never going to disparage anybody for being successful. Of course. If, if somebody's willing to give you that amount of money to do what you want to do and to be happy doing it, take it. Yeah. Take it all day. All I don't day. think it's responsible as a taxpayer. Right. Yeah. And when it's, a, yeah, that, this is where it gets down to if it's taxpayer funded. But yeah, the hospitals, I've often wondered that. Are they, they private or are they public or this? I think it's some kind of quasi merge of those the, two. People will say all kinds of different things on that subject, I yeah. think. Um, I'm not versed enough in hospital administration yeah. at all yeah. to, 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 to tell you one way or the other. I, I can uh, research it. This is something we you need know. to get together a mainstream over a couple of whiskeys, and we can solve the healthcare crisis we can in do America. Everything. <laughs> we can do everything. Mitt Romney lives in Coronado, right? Yeah. Or, or La Jolla. We'll call him over. <laughs> yeah. He, didn't he build the house with the elevators? In La Jolla? It was in La Jolla, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, he did. I remember in the 2014 election um, here in Poway for Poway School District, um, two of the candidates had Mitt Romney's brother doing robocalls. To support oh, the school district weird. candidate. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. That's right. something. I, I don't know that I'll do any of that stuff. Like, this is, this campaign, my campaign has been of me, for me, and by me. Yeah. I built my own website. Yeah. I did my own materials. Yeah. I built my, I designed my own sign. Good. I did, I, I did it all. I've not asked for really any help canvassing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ramping that up the next, you know, few weeks and whatnot. Um well, absentee ballots are going to be mailed any day now, right? On the 8th. Yeah. And so people, a lot of people make their decisions early. Yeah. You know, especially the ones that are paying attention, you know? Yeah. Um, there, there's a couple things that, that I think I do have going for me for people that are uninformed and really not paying attention, right? I'm first. So the, the Secretary of State picks our names out of a hat uh-huh. for the order on the ballot. I see you're number one. I'm first. Nice. My name is Johnny Carson. Yeah, that's hard to forget. Um, I'm a Marine veteran. Yeah. You know, none, none of these things make me good or bad or anything But they else, make you right? unique. Yeah. So, ceteris paribus, everything being the same, I think those things, you know, put me, you know, yeah. in a good position. Yeah, I they think, do. You know, we'll, we'll see how that, we'll see how everything else that I'm doing, you know, works out and whatnot. So, I think it's it's been fun so far. Like I said, it's been weird. The deeper and deeper I get into things, like this this last council meeting was, I don't want to say it was bad. It was just weird. It uncalled yeah. for, yeah. unprofessional yeah. on my part. And yeah. most, I'm not going to say mostly theirs, but definitely theirs. But that's water under the bridge. I apologize. I hope they can get past, you know, like I said, my associations for oh. the sake of the city. I'm sure I wasn't there, and I, I don't know what happened, but I'm sure in the whole scheme of things, it's minor compared to the stuff yeah. that those guys probably see. It, it's, it, but, it, but specifically with the with the one person, it, it doesn't seem minor at all. It really doesn't. Hmm. Like it was personal. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I don't want to say it's not personal. It's just business. Like it wasn't business for me. Business would mean making it about my campaign. I didn't do that. I didn't want that. I don't want them to look like bad guys. They've gotten the city the last eight years to where we're at. Mm-hmm. They didn't do a bad job. No. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, why I didn't want that. I didn't need them to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we, we don't need to go there. Do We promise not to yeah, talk I, about I this know, anymore. I know. It just comes back to that. Yeah. That's just, emotional for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really love, like... I, I was very thankful for my my uh, so he I I assume he my pastor saw the the chief dinner, read it online or whatever and 
and, and read about it. And he texted me this morning. He said he was praying for me. And, oh, you know, good. That, that kind of, even though, you know, earlier in our conversation, I got a little fired up about it. It put my heart at ease about the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, with where I'm at uh, in my circle of friends and my, in my personal circle of, you know, my faith leadership and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It just put me at ease. Like, I, I am not the person that was shouting at those council meetings, and I'm certainly not what they think I am as far as, like, trying to point the finger at them mm-hmm. and being blameless. I I will never cast the first stone at anybody from, a, you know, a house with glass floors. It's not it's not where I'm at. Right. I'll never personally be there, you know. If I win the lottery, I won't be there. I'll still <laughs> – I, I keep telling my wife, like – to, well, to win the lottery, you got to play the lottery, and I don't even do that. But if for some reason I ever did and won, like, I'd stay in my same house. I don't need – like, there's three of us. Why do I need a gigantic house? Right. I just don't. You don't? I don't. I. It, it's exactly what I need, and I have a view of, of the power, of the valley down, you know, towards – so I look towards Garden Road at my backyard, mm-hmm. and I, I see the entire valley. I, I go from, like – the land to the north of Walmart, mm-hmm. and I can see City Hall from my house. Nice. Yeah, yeah if you go up the, in your neighborhood, you go up that hill, you get a great view yeah. of the town. Except if you if you live where John Ryan lives, you get a view of your neighbor's backyard. But <laughs> you know, if you live on the you know mm-hmm. on the hillside, um, you have a fantastic view, of, especially if you're up Papago, going towards the Palisades. Yeah, those people have amazing views. Yeah, that's beautiful up there. Yeah, so. I just love Poway. It's fantastic. It's a great city. I just, I just wish my son would play sports. Oh. He no interest. No. None. Well, Esports maybe. He wants to play video games all the time. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's so it, weird that they're calling that sports though. Yeah. You know, Carlos Asuaje as a team. Yeah, he should focus on baseball. Yeah, he, he should. should. Uh you know what? The robot robotics program at Poway High is fantastic. It, it is awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. So you know, maybe he, he Maybe he'll get into wrestling later. Like he, yeah. he does like that with me and his friends and stuff like that. So okay, well that's another great program. Although the coach Brahms Bramsetter is has gone, that's, he retired. That's uh, so. Your son's freshman basketball coach, uh, yeah. Jordan. His little brother wrestled there, and mm-hmm. I, I was talking to him. And Coach Bramsetter was great. He won mm-hmm. however many SIF championships, right? Oh my god, an yeah. amazing amount. Yeah, and and people like in San Luis Obispo, where Chuck Liddell's from, mm-hmm. you know. When I was up there visiting my wife when she was still in college, I, I would tell guys at, you know, gyms when I, I was still in the Marine Corps then, and I would tell guys at the gyms and whatnot that I'd be at, that I, I live in Poway, and they're like, well, that's where Coach Branstetter lives. That's awesome. Yeah. You're gonna, you, when you have kids, is, you, is he going to wrestle there? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I didn't even know it was that great. And, you know, I was sitting at a table with uh, – uh, Gan McGee, one of Chuck Liddell's fighters, seven foot guy. Oh wow! And he's like, "Yeah, it's the greatest wrestling program in the country." Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. How, how do you know about that? Live it up here. Like everybody knows about that everywhere. Yeah. So it was like, it was it was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, Poway's cool. But, you know, they've got um, feeder programs that do wrestling. Yeah. Like for sixth, seventh, eighth graders. Yeah. So your son, boy, well, he's nine. He's what, like in third grade? He's in third grade. Yeah. yeah. So. Love us. He's been a fantastic teacher this year. Yeah. Her mom was a teacher at Midland. Nice. And they've lived, you know, she, yeah. Just, and he's a Cub Scout, so he's got yeah. some good activities. Yeah. That keeps him connected in the community. Yeah, we're going camping. The What's week- his name? Jack. Jack. Oh, you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. We're going camping the weekend before the election. So good. I think I'm just going to take the weekend off and go off go the grid, right? And, yeah. Yeah. We're going to uh, Indian Hills down in Campo area. Oh, wow. Yeah, way down there with the Cub Scouts and stuff, so... 
It'll be a good time. I think it'll. I think I'll need to relax before the election, and uh, it's just hanging out with a bunch of people like me, a bunch of families like us. Right on. You know, it's just. I don't. I don't need much. I just need to not be accused of what I didn't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, no one likes to yeah. be falsely accused. Yeah. So. No. Well, let's let's wrap this up. I mean, cool. We've been going for oh my god, three hours or more now. Yeah, I think my Who wife knows? came home from work and fed uh, fed Nona, so that, I'm <laughs> off the hook on that. So and, and people um, were talking about how long your podcast were. They're yeah. gonna hate this one. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I, we could just make it really long just to spite them. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> my my wife probably texted me and angry by now. So. Yeah, I, I have my phone turned off. I probably got a few too. So, <sighs> so anyways, John Carson, John R. Carson, right? Yeah, Russell. John Russell Carson. That's my dad's name. Like a Jack Russell, you know? Yeah. So is your son Jack, is he a junior? He's John Aiden Carson. Okay. So he's Jack because the nickname, yeah. the Scottish nickname for John. Uh-huh. Yeah. So John Carson, District 1 candidate, yeah. Poway City Council. He's number one on your ballot. I am. You know? Number one in your hearts. Number one in your hearts. So um, I wish you the best of success. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's going to be a great what, four and a half week stretch run. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it.